Hello, hello. Welcome, boys and girls, to a another late night session here at MA Fight Club. We're going over UFC Vegas 77, Holly Holm versus Bueno Silva. Myra Bueno Silva, to be specific. We did talk about some of this earlier tonight on the Butterfly Guard show with the wonderful Haley. And uh, we kind of, you know, skirted over some things, had some fun. We're going to take more of a deep dive here, undress some of these fights one at a time, and give you our detailed analysis. And also, you're welcome to chime in comments questions disagreements let me know what you're thinking feedback is is encouraged um we'll play some tunes if you fall asleep while listening to me talk about ma i am achieving the goal this is not a show meant to be or 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 show meant to get your blood pressure up it's meant to get your blood pressure down have a good time hang out with myself and my low-key friends like Thomas Manzanaro and Anthony W. These guys are all about chill vibes, good vibes, good karma, and talking about MMA. So on that note, without further ado, let's talk about UFC Vegas 77. Originally, 14 bouts were on the card, and we did lose one, right? We lost the fight with... I should have this available right now, right? <laughs> the fight that we lost was the Walt Harris and Josh Parisian fight. For the cappers out there, for those who do breakdowns and, and you know, get their analysis out early, I feel for you because, you know, you're getting through the breakdown. You're finding Josh Parisian probably was a good spot, a good dog. No fight. Jafel Filho was also supposed to fight, also supposed to excuse me fight Juan Camilo Ronderos. That fight was called off, but that was like two weeks ago. Vincente Luque was also supposed to fight Rafael dos Años. That also is off the card. And so we're left with 13 total fights. Not bad. Look, in the shadow of International Fight Week, I'd say pretty much, you know, you're it's tough. Right? It's tough scooting, right? You're gonna have a a, 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 a a tough go of it trying to repeat that performance. Uh, let me pull up my handy dandy Excel sheet here. Um, this way, I can sort of go through some of this with you as I'm talking through this fight card. Let me change this better this way. I don't know. Oh, oh I you know what? Actually, I found out last time how to do this. Right? Um, I do remember. I do remember. Okay. So, first of all, let's jump into the first fight on that prelim card. We'll go one by one prelim card and then work our way all the way up to the top. Again, taking my time. So, you know, if you're looking for a fast breakdown, this is probably not the the show you want to be listening to. If you want a, a thorough breakdown and, and you know what we have uncovered, then you know you're welcome to hang out here and, and listen to it again with a very late night after hours type of vibe. Um I also want to say, too, a lot of what I'm going to be discussing is right off of our newsletter. 
if you're not subscribed to our newsletter, if you're hearing this now, you're hearing it later, now's a good time to maybe do that. <laughs> our newsletter, there's a free version and a paid version. Um, it wouldn't hurt you at all to subscribe to our, our free version because it uh, supports the algorithm. It supports the you know whole process here. And uh, so, yeah, you can find us on Substack. That is a free app to subscribe to newsletters. There's a lot of good newsletters out there, not just ours. But uh, try us out. There's a free version and a paid version. Very detailed analyses. I'll be going through some of that as I'm talking through the card tonight. So on that note, let's talk about this prelim card. It opens up with Ashley Evans-Smith. Currently, right now, as of Wednesday evening, a plus 175 underdog up against Alien Perez or Alien Perez. Sounds like you're saying alien, right? It's Alien Perez, the fighter from Argentina. She's minus 205. So she was minus 200, now up to minus 205. Not much movement, but movement in her favor. Abandoned weight fight, 135 pounders. If you're looking at this on our newsletter, I'll show that screen right now. You can see how we have this organized now. There's a, there's a link there. It says link to fighter stats. If I were to click that link here, again, via my, my phone app or via email, you click that link, it'll open up this page, which will just give you some simple analysis uh i'm sorry simple reflection of some fighter stats you know um static statistics right numbers that you could find pretty much anywhere right strikes landed absorbed how many years they've been a pro when they went professional total fights like amateur and everything combined boxing whatever we could find the pros and cons pertaining to this fight so on and so forth and that's for both fighters right um that document, that Word document pops up if you click that link there in the newsletter, link to fighter stats. That's what that means. <laughs> okay, so if you like our newsletter, uh, you like that kind of analysis, that's what we have there to offer. For those who are hearing this tomorrow, the next day, whatever, um, don't worry. I do put a timestamps here in the, in the video so you can just click forward and you'll be okay and not have to worry about... Uh, having to jump around and look for the the fighter my picks right for each one okay first find the card ashley evan smith plus 175 alien perez minus 205 bantamweight bout so for ashley evan smith we like her to win this fight by decision uh not i'm not uh, i'm not stuttering i know some people say what do you mean dude she's been losing fights left and right it's you know been years since she's won i understand that but we have a legit good dog play out here right plus 175 is good dog money um i doubt somebody gets finished and if someone does get finished i think it's perez because of exhaustion which i'll talk about that in a second i don't believe that perez will be able to finish smith even as bad as smith has been so at that point it's like well just give a chance to the other fighter as a decision maybe a split you know let's put some things on the table it's not so cut and dry. Alien Perez, who has not won a fight in the UFC yet, just comes in here and has her way. So the details here for Evan Smith, she's six and five overall. She's one and four in her last five fights. Ouch. Out of Lake Forest, California, 36 years old, 
five foot eight in height with a 67 and a half inch reach out of team oyama and rain mma according to the topology as for alien perez who goes by fiona <clears throat> that's like fiona the uh fiona from that movie the ogre movie what was that movie called i forgot it'll come to me the movie where eddie murphy played the donkey <laughs> anyway alien perez goes by fiona seven and two overall three and two in her last five out of argentina 28 years old very young i mean eight years younger than her opponent and young enough to be making improvements we've always got to keep this in mind yes yeah, she kind of gassed that last fight yes yeah, she kind of tapped out a little bit a little early we'll talk about that but 28 years old should be making improvements now getting some ufc money her second fight in the ufc you know you assume the best right five foot five so we'll be about three inches shorter according to topology but not so sure that's completely accurate i don't find alien perez to be a tiny fighter she is a little you know she's got some thickness down low but i think she'll be slightly shorter and not so much three inches shorter and she's listed as 66 inch in reach so about an inch and a half reach there on the side of smith and for perez i believe she does some training back home in argentina but then has done some training at ma masters it's again according to topology okay let me look here at some notes just some things that i have before i read the breakdown so according to my side-by-side -side comparisons what i'm just looking at for example their experience there's a slight edge there for Ash ashley evan smith i mean when i say a slight edge it's not just that she fought 11 fights compared to nine for perez it's more that she's had fights in the ufc right she's been in the ufc a little bit longer um, and we'll talk about the fact she hasn't fought in a while we'll get to that um so for ashley evan smith she does have the experience advantage right in terms of fighter iq i'm going to give an edge to evan smith and here's why let me explain her fight against norma dumont she's getting overwhelmed she is getting beaten but she at least keeps herself within the fight she doesn't get finished i remember watching the fight back and thinking to myself how does she make it to this whole whole fight now norma dumont's not a high level finisher but she's a good fighter right we can all admit that so for evan smith to survive that fight and get through showed a lot of heart showed some level of fighter iq on the flip side for alien perez we have a small sample size in the ufc in her last fight she did do some things that were not intelligent she for example had stephanie egger backing up at one point because perez landed a few good strikes and, and did a few good things and she made that that very basic mistake of young fighter mistake of then collapsing in and turning that momentum into a clinch situation and in essence then squashing the momentum it wasn't like oh the biggest deal in the world but ultimately in that moment maybe she could have maybe stayed at distance continued the onslaught of punches um instead you know she just kind of she got excited right she walked into it she's 27 at the time probably right 20 turning 28 now um and so you could forgive her for that but on top of that then she made some grappling mistakes right and then and then she got tired and sort of got herself too excited because of the bright lights she made all those rookie mistakes and got submitted by stephanie egger and so again at 28 years old you're thinking she can make some improvements but i believe her fighter iq right now is a little bit lower than someone like evan smith who yes is a lot of red in her recent resume but has been losing and losing by decision usually to pretty good fighters when it comes to cardio 
I think both of them are okay. You can argue Evan Smith, again, going decision. She's done that against UFC fighters. Perez hasn't. Perez kind of got excited last fight. Again, I'm going to give Perez the benefit of the doubt. I think she's probably improved her cardio, settled down. So both fighters have a, you know, below average cardio, meaning that they can go the full distance. But round three, it's not going to look exciting. You know what I'm saying? They're both going to sort of be um, giving a, a half version of what you saw, let's say, in rounds one and round two. Um, in terms of finishing ability, not so much. You can see here on my little handy-dandy sheet here, Give them both a one for finishing ability. Just don't think that they have the, it's not in their pedigree. Um, if you're in the comment section right now, just give me one second. It's the first fight in the card. Let me just finish off my analysis and then I'm going to invite all the comments. We could talk about this first fight in the card and we're going to go through each fight like this, the entire fight card, taking our time. In terms of uh, striking ability, I do give an edge to Ashley Evans-Smith. Now, I'm not talking about power. I'm not saying she's going to, you know, do something like I'm trying to think of a good, like she's not, um, you know, someone like Amanda Nunes, right? I'm not suggesting that. It's just that she has a good enough volume. The stats back it. I'll talk about that in a second. And so her striking stats, you know, specifically do show that she's a higher volume striker, lands more, throws more. When you watch her fight, looks a little more natural at striking. I will say again, though, Perez is young, should be making improvements and does have significant power when she, when she lands. But again, in terms of striking, I give Smith an advantage there. For grappling, definitely going with Perez in that department. I think in her first fight, you know, you have to go back and look at it. She did have some good reversals, did have some powerful takedowns, kind of picked up, I believe, Edgar at one point. So if it comes down to wrestling and Perez is still fresh, whenever those moments happen, I give her an edge there. And I can see her putting Smith in the back. And Smith has a hard time getting back up. Let's go now into the newsletter and take a glance at... <clears throat> our notes here and if you like my voice and want to hear me read to you now is the time put the kids away listen to daddy g talk to you about mma here we go so ashley evans smith by decision is the prediction you might recall alien perez from earlier this year she had a bout that was scheduled against Haley cowan that was in february now cowan backed out due to a medical issue as a result, Perez is now returning from about a nine-month layoff. Not a big deal, but she was on schedule to fight sooner. Put it that way, this layoff sort of happened outside of her control, right? Now, Perez dropped her UFC debut last year to Stephanie Egger. That was by submission, round number two. It wasn't a terrible performance by Perez. It wasn't as if like she didn't do anything well or a wasted opportunity. She actually did back up Egger in round number one. She had Egger uncomfortable, right? Backing up, sort of covered up. You have to watch it and see what I'm talking about. Because again, on paper, you see Perez's striking numbers and you're like, oh, she's not a good striker. Again, very young. She had her moments there. So she did some good things there. And at one point got taken down and got up off the mat. So you do like that. In round two, she was exposed for very common mistakes in young UFC fighters, right? She ends up getting her gas tank tested, not so well. She makes a few mental mistakes, specifically in the grappling department, so gets submitted. At the very least, though, it was a learning experience, a positive experience. It wasn't as if she did nothing well. She did some things okay. Now, for her now, fight number two in the UFC, I believe the UFC is giving her a very winnable matchup. I mean, you can argue they're giving her the most winnable of matchups, 
We'll talk about why this is a good matchup for her in a moment. But again, this is a good bounce back fight. She is fighting an opponent who's 36 years old, which is ancient for this division, and someone who hasn't fought in three years, right? No matter who that name was, three-year layoff, 36 years old in this division for a female. The key for Perez is to take the fight to the ground. She averages 1.52 takedowns per fight, where she can execute some ground control and some ground and pound. Now, Smith can be controlled on the ground. We talked about that before. And while she's on the ground, she has a hard time getting back up. I'm looking at the fight again. It's like Norma Dumont again. Even though Norma Dumont's like a, not a big-time grappler, when she had Smith on her back, Smith couldn't, couldn't get back up. For Perez, she lands 1.62 strikes per minute while absorbing 1.52 per minute. Again, low volume. It's at least a positive ratio, but that's really not where she butters her bread per se. It's on the ground. If she were trying to, let's say, for example, win this fight on the feet at range over the long haul, she probably comes up short again because the striking is subpar. And I think, again, Ashley would land more and have more volume. Our biggest indictment, a.k.a. our biggest question mark of Perez, is that she tapped out with only seconds to go in her last fight. And that was in the second round. You go back and watch it. She's sort of fighting a rear naked choke, doing the best she can. But fighters who do that, and I'm trying to be gentle with what, I'm, what, what my accusations are here, it's either a fighter who is not aware of their surroundings, not aware of the clock, right? And this happens to young fighters, and it also happens to fighters who are in their first UFC fight. So I don't want to paint the picture like, oh, you know, she's uh, not a high fighter IQ you know, uh, athlete, and and no, I'm I'm just saying there are reasons for why she may have done that, but nonetheless, she does tap out in a in more of a panic tap because you can tell. For example, some people tap out and they, you still have to wake them up because they're like holding on to the very last minute. This is a tap where when she tapped out, there was like another full second, basically, or not a full second. Referee separates them, and then she immediately like sits up and she's fine. It would suggest she had a little more in the tank. Now, I'm not in there getting choked out. So who am I to sit here on my little, my perch behind my desk in my little cozy house and say, she should have hung on longer. I'm just saying from a from a warrior perspective, how some fighters do it. I love to always think about that guy, um, Mokayev, Muhammad Mokayev, who like had his leg gang getting all bent out of shape. And he said post-fight, basically, if I die, I die. In the case of Ilian Perez, I don't know what it was. Was it immaturity, not knowing the situation, or was it a lack of heart? It's question marks. I can't answer them. I can only speculate, right? For Evan Smith, a veteran fighter with a huge heart, for whatever reason, coming off of a very long layoff. Her last bout was three years ago. The last time she won a fight was in 2018. We're talking like end of the Trump administration, part uno. Even more concerning, she's one in four in her last five. To make matters worse, she just turned 36 years old, which is ancient for a female bantamweight. The long layoff and rough stretch of losses makes it nearly impossible to get behind her from a betting perspective. But all that said, Perez could be exactly what the doctor ordered. It isn't as, it isn't as if excuse me, Perez is a dominant prospect with the kind of game that would invoke fear in her opponents. We wouldn't be surprised, in the very least, if Perez dropped the ball against an experienced veteran like Ashley Smith. 
or Ashley Evan Smith. <laughs> Can I just call her Evan Smith? Evan Smith has a solid chin. She ate the best shots from Norma Dumont, Caitlin Vieira, and Andrew Lee. And I want to qualify that. It's not as if those are like the best in the world, but they're pretty good in this division, right? And with all due respect to Perez, I don't find Perez's striking to be up to the caliber in terms of volume or power of someone like Norma Dumont, Vieira, or Andrea Lee. The only two times Evan Smith was stopped were both by submission. Perez has one submission on a pro record, so we're talking about a very slim chance that would happen. Now, MA math is not a perfect science. All kind of things happen. It's opposite land. You don't, you know, one minute you see someone who's never had a finish, they get finished, vice versa, the whole deal. But the stats suggest to us that it'll be very difficult for Perez to finish Smith, which kind of like, you know, what does that mean? It means we probably go rounds two and a half. We probably get to the scorecards. We probably get a greasy decision. You know, we love the splits here. I love playing them. This would be a fight where you want to consider playing some split props. The price tags are not out yet. I would imagine when they do come out, they're not going to be great. You're going to be talking about like plus 650, plus 700 for one side, maybe plus 800 for the other side, because the market knows there's a very high likelihood that one of those, one of these three rounds will be a toss up, right? The spots, like from a betting perspective, let me get this back up here. The spots, like for this fight from a betting perspective, are going to be. The fight starts round number three. Now, these price tags are not out yet, but these are spots we do like before the price tags came out. Starts round number three. Fight goes to decision. Evan Smith by decision. Evan Smith by split. And Perez by split. I guess if I'm looking at the early prices, they're not out yet on DraftKings, which is my like my ultimate benchmark. But let me double check if they're not out over here on at least some of these price tags available on some other sites. Give me one second, ladies and gentlemen, one second. Um, all right, so over here on best fight odds, if I'm looking at this fight, what have we got here? Evan Smith. So fight goes to decision is around minus 160 right now, the general market price. Um, Evan Smith by decision is around plus 300 wow wow you know that's a good spot three to one odds evan smith by split decision that's definitely not out yet but i'll be i'll be vulturing that if it's anything decent um then um and perez by split that's not out yet so uh fight starts round number three that's also not listed yet so yeah again very Early on, these prices tend to come out as late as Friday, um, but those are the spots we do like for this fight. I will now move over to the chat section, see what the comments are like, see any questions we have in here. Uh, Thomas, of course, this dude's the best, man. Of course, ELE, which means if you guys don't know, everybody love everybody, right? Coin that term from that movie, Semi-Pro with Will Farrell. So funny, so funny. Dirty River. What's up, homie? Dirt Fish 90. Good to have you in here, homie. Long time no see, but always good to have you back. Hey, yo, my man. Hi, hype three of May. What's up, my my, my man? What's good to have you here, man? Always a pleasure. SSB diving. Yes. 
Yes. I love that picture, by the way, with the the the, the goggle thing and the reflection. I don't know if that's you for real, but either way, it's a dope-ass picture. OGs in the chat. Yes, Thomas. These are the OGs in the chat. Uh, it, it's a nice group here. It's a good group of guys who who love MMA and uh, you know love talking MMA. Gotta always enjoy that kind of a crowd. Um, let me get in here a few more comments be, before I move on. <clears throat> Excuse me. MPTV writes in here. Ashley was almost finished by low level fighter Fallon Fox. Well, that is an excellent point, MPTV. I, I cannot disagree with that. Um, and I guess one thing I should probably emphasize is as I'm choosing Ashley Evans-Smith, there is a part of me where it's like the gambling component is kind of forcing me. So if I had to just choose like based upon like who's probably the better fighter like right now probably wins. Yeah, definitely the 28-year-old like who's got good dominant wrestling there's a lot of reasons to definitely back her but man we keep seeing this right mptv we keep seeing these underdogs mess around and make it close and then we then we see the judges come in here and then they're like we're gonna put our little two cents in here next thing you know you got ah oh. you know what i mean so i'm with you man i'm with you mptv i would even say this <laughs> i mean this like because i don't if you win a bet, it's nice to say, hey, I got this spot right. And if you're a capper or if you're trying to get more followers, it's totally okay. It's fine to say, hey, I got this spot right. I told you guys last week and it hit, right? But what sometimes we've got to be honest with ourselves. If I'm going to play Ashley Evan Smith here, it's not as if I'm going to play a lot of money or as if I'm playing it with a lot of confidence. Because if anyone tells you that, I think they're misleading themselves and trying to mislead others, right? So, you know, though I'm going to put a small play on Ashley Evan Smith, and though the, the spots I do like the most, again, are not money line related, right? So, like the fight starting round number three, you know, the fight going to decision, those are some good spots. I feel like if you play those spots, you're going to find yourself some value, even some parlay value, as opposed to like, oh, let me parlay six seven legs and i'm gonna pick who's gonna win this fight uh you know um sal damato must know someone who protects him mptv writes in yeah right <laughs> i mean it's hard to really kite you know wrap your mind around some of these scorecards at times it's um it's just par for the course now you know it's part of the game okay let's move on to the next Fight and let me go ahead and pull up their little uh, their side by side here, right on the screen here, if we can see it. Um, oh, blowing up the wrong screen. So we're looking at Carl Deaton the third versus Alex Munoz. Okay, Mister Munoz versus Carl Deaton the third, a lightweight fight, hundred and fifty five pounders, and um. Let me scroll down here on my notes. Okay, so lightweight bout. Two guys who've been around the block. Uh, they're basics. We've got Deaton at 17 and 6 overall. So more fights overall, but only one UFC fight, and he lost that fight. <laughs> so we'll talk more about that in a second. 
He's two and three in the last five fights. Slight dog here out of Las Vegas, 33 years old, 5'7 in height with a 67 inch reach out of ATT and the Academy MN. Um, ATT is not located in Las Vegas, so not sure if he's moved. You know, I'm speculating based upon topology, right? For Alex Munoz, another American fighter out of California, 33 years old. Same age, slight favorite, three and two in his last five, six and two overall. Slightly taller at five foot nine with a 72 inch reach out of team alpha male. Those are your basics. Now, as for our analysis for side by side, I didn't do a deep dive on these guys. I'm not going to lie to you, but I'm going to tell you some things I found out that sort of just swayed my opinion pretty quickly. And I'm strongly on the side of Alex Munoz. Matter of fact, even though my Excel sheet doesn't reflect it, now it does. I do like Munoz here because you can see multiple paths to victory and you can see a distinct advantage in one area. In a fight where it's like in the balance, that to me was the tipping point. And I'll talk about that here in just a moment. Let me pull up again. They're side by side. Um, Okay, so similar in size, right? And similar in age and both coming out of fairly good gyms with good experience right let me go here and pull up my notes here so we like Munoz to win the fight by decision now Munoz is currently a minus 170 favorite market agrees with us in terms of the the price tag you see minus 170 minus 160 minus 150 in that range we think the market saying that they will win the fight but they won't win it like by a round one knockout right understood so it's difficult to get behind either fighter here because of their recent trajectory. Looking at the last few fights, you see some red, uh, losing streaks. It's definitely going to throw you off here, right? The last three combined fights, they're winless, okay? Munoz hasn't had his hand raised in four years, and he comes to this fight off back-to-back defeats. So I'm saying I think he's going to win the fight. He's going to be breaking a streak. Lost two in a row, hasn't looked very good. Um, the last fight against Pena was a minute ago, and Pena now no longer in the UFC because of some outside of the octagon, you know, domestic violence issues. Ultimately, Munoz got picked apart at range, couldn't do enough. The wrestling couldn't um, save the day, and we'll talk more about his wrestling in a second. Now, for him, he trains at a very good gym, high-level athletes to partner with, good training partners, good coaches. Prior to going to mixed martial arts, he was a standout wrestler. And I say standout meaning that he was at Oklahoma State University. If you don't know, Oklahoma State's one of the top level, I'd say arguably top four or five wrestling programs in the country uh, for the United States in terms of wrestling in college, right? He'll need his wrestling here. He needs to get part of his wrestling game going early and often. He averages three takedowns per fight, which if you break down per round, is one takedown per round. On the feet... He does that Marab Devashvili, um, Khabib Nurmagomedov, throw those big overhand looping rights or lefts. Um, is he southpaw? Um, big overhands. They're not very accurate. If they land, oh, okay. If they don't land, they get a chance to kind of fall in and get a takedown. That's his style. And so boxing-wise, Munoz doesn't look great. That's why against Pena, by the way, terrible matchup. Opinion was long, kept him at range, good enough at defending takedowns and grappling, and then at range kind of picked out, picked apart Munoz. Munoz did not look very good in that spot. And that's going to drive down his price tag here because at minus 170, he's still fair game here. You know, you're paying less than two to one on him. I believe 
he's more of a UFC caliber fighter than than Carl Deaton. As for Deaton, he comes to this fight off of a disappointing ending to his last fight. With five seconds to go in the second round of his last fight, his UFC debut, mind you, he tapped out. Same thing like Alien Perez. He pulled the same deal, dude, right? Now, for me, it's like, look, I know I'm making the comparison again. Mohamed Mokayev, a guy who we saw fight not too long ago, who was getting his knee all torn up, right? And he wouldn't tap. And we have fighters like my man over here, Deaton, first fight in the UFC, who's getting choked. And like four or five seconds to go in the round, you tap out. It just makes you question, like, was it, again, not knowing your surroundings, UFC debut, the bright lights, or do you just not want it? I'm just, is it, is it fair to question that? What if I does? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. Now, for Deaton, he did fight in the PFL. He fought in uh, some other promotions like Big John's MMA, pretty notable, and obviously in the UFC. All those promotions, he lost all those fights. <laughs> okay. He's two and four in his last six fights. Tough skid. And so to me, the writing's on the wall. Here's a guy where he hasn't won a fight in a reasonable promotion in a minute. He's on a skid. He comes to the UFC kind of late, 32-33, right? Loses that fight pretty quickly. Taps out. I, I'm not sure he's UFC caliber. I'm not sure. And if he's hearing this or his people are hearing this, go prove me wrong. I, I, I've been wrong many times before. Just seems to me like you have a fighter with Munoz who does have a game plan. He'll wrestle you, take you down. Dean got wrestled, taken down, had no answer for it. And that's what Munoz does. Munoz averages one takedown per round. If he gets maybe just two takedowns in two rounds, he can finish this guy. Fight's over. So neither guy gives me a ton of reason to like want to back them heavily. But the lack of mental toughness for Deaton and the poor showing in his debut, Munoz at least, at least I believe he is UFC caliber and a good wrestler, has the pedigree. He's been competing for years in the mat. I like him here. Will I parlay him? Ugh. Maybe in a DJ and parlay, maybe, right? The betting spots like the most of the fight are going to be. The fight starts round number two. Over 1.5 rounds. Munoz by split decision. And Deaton by split decision. And my 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 rationale on the splits are this. It's hard to predict them. It's just about impossible. You're talking about a lot of different scenarios have to go right. But you can see a fight where my 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 rationale is could one of the three rounds be sketchy? Could one of the three rounds be up in the air? We're just not sure. Yeah, it could. So to the chat section here on this fight. So we're talking about Carl Deaton III at plus 145 versus Alex Munoz at minus 170. And again, the spots we like here are the fight does go to decision. Munoz by decision, the over 1.5 round rounds and... um the split props. Now, over on... Let me look here real quickly. Munoz. So, the fight going over two and a half is minus 235. Currently on FanDuel. Um, where's that decision here? Uh, Munoz by decision currently is listed at... Um, I can't see it. Not available yet. So, yeah, the price tags for these props are just not available yet, but... 
I believe the fight goes longer. Munoz's game can be a little bit boring. I ain't going to lie to you. Um, and again, reminder, if you're seeing this on our newsletter, right? So the newsletter will show it to you like this here. If you guys have a second here to hear my little infomercial on our newsletter. And this is the free part of it. Prelims are always free for you guys. So you'll see there's a header there and it says like, all right, the, the fight is... Um, uh, Carl Deaton, right? We were just talking about this versus Alex Munoz. It says link to fighter stats. If you click that link, it'll open up a new Word document for you guys. And that Word document has more details about the fighters. Like, for example, Carl Deaton, he's 33 years old, out of ATT, balanced fight, uh, balanced fighting style, averaging 0. 0.10 strikes per minute, absorbing 0. 0.20. That's obviously based on a very small Sample size, average fight time about 10 minutes. Been a pro for 12 years, 27 total fights. Total fights would include, for example, grappling, boxing, um, amateur, the whole thing. Pros and cons based upon this fight, like what, what he does well, what he doesn't do well. Uh, and then the same thing for Munoz. And so that Word document, that link, is available for every fight. And you'll see right there under the header for each fight. And so just remind you guys about that but that reminded me also that Munoz is a very boring fighter and that's the point I forgot to make he's a boring fighter he tons of control time huggy 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 a lot of judges just don't value that some judges will just give no value towards that right so let's say he gets a few takedowns he's holding this guy it's boring and it's like what if one judge is like listen I don't, I don't see his value and now we get ourselves into a situation where, like, one of those three rounds gets a little sketchy. So that's part of my rationale why I think this fight could go to a split. So first two fights in the card, I believe, are splittable. <laughs> um, the comment section, real quick, let me catch up with you guys here. MPTV, it's so good to have you in here, dude. You're always so interactive. I love it. So MPTV writes in here, it's difficult to pick against Team Alpha, but I went with something I learned from you. Munoz is sort of inactive compared to his counterpart. Yes. So this is really, dude, and I appreciate you even saying it that way, MPTV, because that's that's just very kind of you. But inactivity is the thing. It is, is I believe, more and more now, because I'm now, like, kind of, I'm seeing it. Inactivity might be the most, uh, like, red flag you have to pay attention to. That might be the one you have to pay the most attention to, because it's a combination of of a lot of things but it's almost like anything in life right like to you know to use that sexual reference as a joke like if you don't use it you lose it right type of thing like if you don't if you're not out there and if you're single you know then there's more pressure each you know each time more time goes by that kind of bullshit what i'm saying is in this situation when you have a long layoff man that is one of the yeah so i hear you dude i hear you and i'm not again I don't want to suggest that I'm so high on Munoz that um, I couldn't see Deaton winning. But, man, I just have questions about Deaton. I think Munoz has a path to victory. I think he out wrestle him. So Marcus Mustard writes in here. He says, is this a submarine deep dive? Let's do it. We're, we're trying, Marcus. We're going to go through each fight pretty pretty carefully, take our time. Um, but our submarine here only goes to safe, safe depths. We don't want to end ourselves situation where we going, we're going too deep, right? We want to keep it... Uh, Keep it safe, right? Um, nobody watching. Um, not really sure what that means. Uh, Nino, are you saying nobody's watching this? 
Um, if that's the case, I guess you're referring to all 10 or 11 of us who some of us are watching. Um, but if you're not watching or you were watching, I appreciate either way, dude. Good to have you here. Um, Antoine Willis says, good to see JDM on this card. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. That guy is a... Listen, that guy looks intimidating, man. <laughs> His nose, the crookedness, the whole... Uh, man, let me tell you something. That is, that is a scary, scary dude. Anthony W. writes in here. He says, how about it, bro? Same. Love watching that guy fight. Yeah, dude. He's a monster. Absolute monster. Uh, Marcus writes in here. He says, I'm not sure Deedon did tap. He didn't tap. I don't think he did. He went out on his shield. Um, am I wrong on that? If I am wrong, Marcus, I do want to, I do want to clarify because that would be inappropriate. Um, did Deaton actually get put to sleep in that fight? That was against Selecki, right? I'm gonna pull up the replay for myself real quickly because if I did, if I mistook that, that would be no bueno and needs to be clarified because I'm on live right now. And if I'm claiming he tapped out um, early um, instead of getting put to slepe, um, that would be inappropriate. Um, but I'm going to pull it up right now because I do have it available to me. And then we'll we'll, we'll see what's going on. <laughs> we'll see what's going on here because I don't mind ever being corrected. As a matter of fact, I'd rather be corrected and then correct myself, um, especially if I'm live on the air, than just take a position I'm looking at the here. We go. Oh, I think you're right. Oh my gosh. Hold on a second here. I'm about to look at the. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I just watched it, Marcus. I just watched it. You're absolutely right, dude. And it was it was five seconds before the round was was about to be over, but it was legitimate. His eyes were starting to roll back in his head. He kind of like tried to throw like a punch or so, like not a tap, wasn't a tap. And he was just kind of put out, and uh, he did fight to the end. So I'm so, listen, Marcus. Thank you, dude. <laughs> thank you for that correction. Before our newsletter goes out in the morning, that'll also be corrected in there as well. Um, and so uh, look, that's that's a big difference. I will say this. I don't, I don't, again, I don't want to say Deaton has no shot here. He's a guy who at plus 145, you want to play plus money. Uh, there you go. Uh, I still think that Munoz, though, gets the better of him in the holding, hugging department, uh, which allows him to kind of skate away with, with a decision win. Uh, it may be a greasy one, right? Um, SSB Diving writes in here. What are those word docs are available in the newsletter? Yeah, so so like right here, um, diving in the newsletter, you'll see them when the newsletter comes out tomorrow morning. It'll come out. Um, there'll be a link in the newsletter to this video breakdown, of course. But in the newsletter, you'll see these links here. It says link to fighter stats. When you click on that link, you will open up a Word document like this. And that'll be on your phone too, like from an iPad, wherever mobile device you click that link there it opens up a word doc um or if you're on a computer same thing open up a word doc and you have like i said basic information now some fighters more than others so i'll that's the last fight but i'll show you like the ones that are more detailed because the fighter has more information um so on and so forth i don't know why i just completely blocked out my entire screen but i did 
Um, in any case, uh, we're back to it over here. Um, so yeah, that's in the newsletter. You'll see it tomorrow morning when it comes out. For Marcus, let's not do the Titanic deep dive. Yes. Yes, Marcus, exactly. That was my concern. I like submarines, a little divey, divey, little, you know, a little, little, a meter or two down there, a little swim around with the fish, a little snorkeling, even a little scuba, a little scuba action, right? What's a little, a little scuba action? Go down, like, like, I feel like if you go deep enough where you can see the, the light in the, in the water up there, like, it's a good, like, take it, you know, like one breath, you can get up there. We're, we're, we're still, we're still okay. That's just, I don't know. Maybe that's, there's a bug up here. Forget, I'll be right back. There's a bug up here driving me crazy. Just got into a a fight with a bug. I think he won round one. 10-9. I'm looking for him though. So uh yeah, no, no no diving that deep. You're absolutely right, Marcus. Um, we want to keep things safe. And on a serious note, yeah, I mean, absolute um absolute just only well wishes to anybody who who knew who were colleagues of anybody involved with related to uh what happened there what a tragedy what a tragedy a lot of tragedies that go on in the world and yeah so um a few more comments and i'll jump to the next fight which is going to be the uh, azat maxim versus tyson nam yeah, it was a lucky fight. Munoz gave a good interview. I agree about the rest of the win for Munoz. That's that's my thinking. Oh, you're welcome, SP Diving. Marcus, I know Manny busting out the the gap for that bug. <laughs> I was like, dude, I, you know what I busted out? I busted out like this, this like, I just happened to have this like this towel because I don't know, I had a snack earlier, right? It was a hot plate. So I went over there and I'm like, like this time of year, even though we have the air conditioning blasting, it's like 70 degrees in here. It feels wonderful because it's like 90 degrees outside. The bugs will find a way like through the air conditioned vent or something. They find a way in here like every now and then. And we have all the lights in here for the studio, right? These mother, these mother, but I got this. It's like my chancleta. If you were Hispanic, you know what that, that means. Uh, one second, I got to refill the, the pipe here and then we're going to resume and we're going to start with Azat Maxim. Be right back guys.
Okay, okay. So let's jump into the third fight in the card. And <laughs> yeah, you saw me diving with the towel slap, right? When I dump into it, when I dump, when I jump into a fight, you're welcome to ask a question put into the comment section. You can bounce it around amongst yourselves. That's fine. But if you have something for me specifically, just put it in there and I will get to it. So like right now, I think I'm all caught up in the chat. I'm going to jump to the third fight in the card. And I will give you guys like as much as I do have. Like, for example, all the prop bets that I like so far for the prelim card, all those fights, I have all those prop bets. They're kind of outlined right here in this Excel sheet. They're over here in this right section. I didn't grade out every fight in the prelim card. I ain't going to lie to you. Just because some of these fights get canceled. The Madalena fight, really, um, maybe just a little bit of time constraints. <laughs> uh, I apologize. So, um, yeah, I don't get to all the details of every one of these fights, just but I do have the peripheral and the betting spots that I do like for each one and some notes and, you know, so on and so forth. And as we move up the card, we get to a little more detail in each fight. Okay. On that note, how about we go ahead and talk about Azat Maksam versus Tyson Nam? Yeah, like I want to say Vietnam. Uh, Tyson Nam, kind of a bit of a veteran, right? A household name and uh, a guy who's well respected, right? Uh, Tyson Nam, let me pull up there side by side, these two guys here. So uh, Tyson Nam is currently 21. 13 and 1 overall. A lot of experience, right? 3 and 2 in his last 5. But a big underdog here, as you can see on the screen. He's currently listed as a plus 310 underdog up against the minus 410 favorite of Maxam Azat, who's 16 and 0, right? Very impressive there. More information on these two fighters. Nam is out of Portland, Oregon, 39 years old in nine months, about to be 40. And I don't want to be, you know, do any age discrimination here, but, you know, 40 years old, this weight class, it's not headweight, right? It's not welterweight, not middleweight, not light heavyweight. This is a flyweight battle. And Tyson Nam at this point is clearly like on the cusp of just father time aging him out. I could even argue if it's not this fight, it's one of the last few. Not because he's getting beat up, not because of, you know, some fighters you see him getting knocked out repetitively. And I don't want to give any names because some fighters, like, they probably shouldn't have kept fighting and they just kept getting knocked out. You don't want to see that name these fighters. For the case of Nam, he has been very durable, but last fight got knocked out, right? We'll talk about that in a second. So, 39 years old, nine months. He will be 40 years old this year. Five foot seven at a sports lab. Up against a guy we know like this much about. Onside Moxham. He's 16 and 0. He very well could just be zero and zero. You know, what is 16 and 0 against a bunch of people we don't know, don't recognize most of them? He is from Kazakhstan. He got the whole the picture, the thing, and you start invoking ideas of those guys, you know, heritage of fighting and, you know, warriors and undefeated. He's minus 420. Pretty disrespectful when you think about it, because Tyson Nam, he ain't no bum. 
<laughs> he ain't no bum. He been around the block. I would speculate Azat Moxham most likely is currently or will be one of the most favorite parlay pieces on the entire card. And wouldn't you know it when this explodes? Like, no one would be surprised, really. I would even say again, think about to yourself, what is 60 to know outside the UFC? That's like, what is that? One to know? Two to know? Zero and zero? So just, you know, some speculation there. But for this guy, Azat Moxham, 28 years old, so much younger, about 10 years younger, full decade. Again, from Kazakhstan, listed on Tapology as maybe an inch taller. So size-wise, shouldn't be much of a factor. Okay, let's talk about my notes in this fight. Where are my notes? My notes, my notes. Give me one second here. All right, so I'll show you the screen here. I'm on. All right, so I'm in the newsletter here. Azat minus 410 versus Tyson Nam plus 310. Flyweight battle. Azat Moxham by decision is the prediction. Nam has enjoyed a very accomplished combat sports career. He's three and four in the UFC with all three wins by first round knockout. He's entering this fight off of a knockout loss to Bruno Silva. In his defense, Silva is a tough SOB. I think we all agree on that. Nam has been finished only. Let me pull up a different screen here. So I'm not in the same one I'm reading. Too much pressure for me. Nam has been finished only three times over the course of his extended career. Now, sadly enough, Father Time is on his heels. Nam is a few months away from turning four years old and showing some signs of deterioration. For Maxim, he's making his UFC debut as an undefeated prospect. We've all seen this scenario many times. Until we actually see him in the octagon against a UFC caliber fighter, that 16-0 record is just sort of a distraction, right? The UFC is giving him a fair matchup, though, for his debut. Now, will he step up to the plate and show that he's worthy of, you know, turning 17-0? Or will he crumble under the pressure and, the, you know, the more experienced fighter of not? I mean, we really just don't know. The price tag, pretty outrageous. I wouldn't be parlaying him. I would look at some prop bets here, for example. The fight starts round number two. I like that spot. No price is available yet, but I like that spot when it comes out. Hope it's not too juicy. Over 1.5 rounds. Maxim to win outright. If you got to parlay him, that's probably something you consider at least for one parlay at minus 410. So just to him to win outright money line. Then Nam by knockout. Um, consider that. Nam has what, all three wins in the, in the UFC are by knockout. And then last but not least, the fight doesn't go to decision. We'll see if the price tag is there. But those are some spots we do like for this fight. I mean, as you hear me talking about it, I'm not comfortable with that price tag at all of, of Maxim at minus 410. It's almost like a trap. Let's open the fighter stats here. So I'm going to take you back to this screen here. Newsletter will hit the fighter stats here. Open that up. And what do we got here? So Nam, 39 years old, at a sports lab, kickboxer, landing 3.49 strikes per minute, absorbing 5.44. I have to pull out my calculator here, but I believe that's a negative striking ratio, right? Average fight time, 8.38 minutes. 100% takedown defense. That is impressive. Zero takedowns, though, himself. And that's over the course of, what, seven UFC fights? 
Um, total fights, 40. So tons of experience in the case of Tyson Nam. He went pro 17 years ago, 2006. What's to like about Mr. Nam? He's got UFC experience, right? We talked about that. He'll be his eighth UFC fight. Pretty good finish rate. All three wins in UFC by round one knockout. The negatives on him? Striking ratio. Gets hit almost 5.5 times per minute. He's turning 40 years old in a few months. And he was knocked out in his last fight. He's been knocked out three times in his career. So his chin at this point could be starting to waver. For Azat Maksim, 28 years old, out of Kazakhstan. No no details on, for example, striking numbers or takedown numbers because he's never fought in the UFC. Went pro 2017, six years ago. Has 16 total fights. Obviously, 16 to no. Undefeated out of a well-known part of the world that's known for producing pretty good fighters, right, Kazakhstan? <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> the concerns for him, though, it's his UFC debut. We've seen his whole story before of people coming to UFC, undefeated, big moment. All of a sudden, they they kind of crumble, right? And of course, a step up in competition. So, all that said, I feel like um, again, we're picking Ozma to win. We're picking him to win by decision. But man, oh man, oh man, uh, proceed with caution here. Don't over parlay Maxim. He'll be one of the most favorite parlay pieces of the entire car this weekend. And it'll be the obvious reasons, right? Nam's aging. He's slowing down. He's lost recently. And Maxim is undefeated and, you know, all that green and it'll just distract everybody. If you're the UFC, I don't think it's like bad if either thing happens. Like if Nam were to get a got to win here, right? That's not bad, right? If Maxim gets a win here, new prospect, moves to 17 and 0. That's kind of cool too. Um, but I would say like a Tyson Nam loss, right? If he were to lose, and especially if he lost badly, we could see him say, I'm done, boys and girls, because you know what? I'm about to be 40, and now I'm getting beat by newcomers, and it's time to hang it up. So just putting all that out there, some you know things to think about. But I'm going to go Azat Moxham to win the fight. Some comments here. Let me pull the comments up. Get you guys in here and get some some feedback. BC Dave is up in the crib. I just saw some comments from BC Dave. Okay. BC Dave says here, what's up, homies? How are you, BC Dave? My man from British Columbia, the man up north, up in Canada. Marcus says here, I need to dial in this bout order. I'm going to be patient with it. <laughs> My bad, Marcus. I'll try to keep things moving a little faster. Just trying to take our time and read through things, make sure we're covering all the angles, at least things that we kind of went over in our in our analysis right ssp diving writing in here that uh he's giving a thumbs up saying what's up to david um oz a basic dave says here that dude ozad has ground game and tyson has zero percent take on defense you know you are talking facts you are talking facts bc dave simple man says here we have quality not quantity we try we absolutely try that's the entire idea right BC Dave running over here to to the to the chat to diving and company. Um, yeah, I'm not even sure about the bat order. It's 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 moved a few times, and um, I'm going off of uh, tapology, which it tends to be pretty accurate. But then again, yeah, who knows, right? So we're three in. We've went over Ashley Evan Smith and Alien Perez. The first fight we went over Carl Deed in the third. 
uh, Munoz, and we just finished off with Tyson Nam versus Azat, Azat Maxim. We're going with Maxim to win, Munoz to win, and Ashley Evan Smith to win as our first three fight predictions. Next fight's going to be Hanaro Valdez versus Evan Elder. That's Hanaro Valdez from Mexico at 10 and 2 overall versus Evan Elder, the American fighter who is 7 and 2. And a good fight. A good fight. I mean, I think a fair fight for Hanaro Valdez, who's, you know, came in UFC 10 and 0, undefeated. <laughs> this this happens so often, right? Undefeated. Now he's 10 and 2. <laughs> so, you know, you come in here in a hot plate, you're looking really good. Then it's like, welcome to the potty. And uh, welcome to the potty, mate. Next thing you know, you're getting yourself throttled by by UFC level fighters, right? Um, MPTV wrote here. He says Tyson's take on defense is 100%. Um, it, it It is. It is. It is. Let me pull that back up to make sure I'm not uh, crazy on myself here. Tyson Nam takedown defense is is 100%. Wow. And so, yeah. I mean, look, that'll be a factor, right? So Azat Maxim, who who will be looking to take him down, he will be at least, uh, it'll be a test. That'll be very interesting. Thanks for Thanks for pointing that out, MPTV. Thank you. He also writes here, though, Azza is good AF on the ground, though. <laughs> so it could be coming down to, like, one, just one takedown, right? You know, maybe if, if Tyson dis, 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 defends a few of them, but then one takedown, you know, can maybe decide around. Diving, writing over here to BC Dave. Nice, nice. You guys are awesome. Just awesome people to have in the chat. Thank you guys for being here. And Dave also writing back again that, yeah, the takedown defense of, of Nam is legit. Is legit. Okay, let's move on to Hanaro Valdez at plus 240 versus Evan Elder. And I'm not going to have a ton to talk about on this fight um, for a few reasons. One, I didn't do the most deepest of dives in this fight. Uh, but let me give you guys the basics. Valdez is 10 and 2, 3 2 in his last five. Mexican fighter. He's a dog here around plus. Where is he at now? Plus, blah, 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 plus 240. You got Elder to the side at minus 285. And uh, Valdez is now currently out of uh, Tijuana, Mexico. But I think he didn't. He I think he's also maybe fighting now out of American uh, gym, even though he was at Entrum, but I think he moved. I, I'm just speculating. He's five foot nine, 72 inch reach, 31 years old. Um, against Evan Elder, the Phenom at seven and two overall. American fighter out of Deerfield Beach, Florida, 20, 26 years old, fighting out of Kill Cliff FC. A little taller at five foot 10 with a 71 inch reach, and a little younger at 26 years old, about five years younger. So um, maybe I'm going to be harsh here on Hanato, but it's almost like I'm treating him the same way that I'm treating Terrence McKinney, which we'll talk about that fight later on. It's like I have to see something from this fighter before I can su support them. I've got to see them, you know, notch the win in the UFC. I've got to see them, you know, shake off some bad habits. And until I see that, it's hard for me to, you know, really get behind them, right? So for Valdez, I feel like he just simply can't be trusted. Elder, by decision, is the prediction. You know, with that Valdez, he usually utilizes a very – uh, risque game plan it's just like let's fight <laughs> let's let's you know let's and it's it's awesome it's fun to watch it's courageous as all hell but it absolutely exposes you to inherent dangers 
and it's not to question any part of like his heart or whatever it just it's a violent fighting style and it leads to violent endings right so unless elder in our opinion makes a series of like silly decisions or tries to engage with valdez and, and try to play valdez's game i think he should find a lot of opportunities to win the fight meaning by decision wear down valdez neutralize valdez's power utilize some grappling um you know use good footwork stay at range i will say this though <laughs> Doubting Mexicans or betting against Mexicans is probably never a, gr a really great safe bet. Not saying it's not a good idea. I mean, look, Brandon Moreno just lost last weekend to Pantoja. Mexicans can lose fights. So did Yair Rodriguez, right? All that said, like these people do have like a second, third gear. These Mexicans, I mean, them dudes is tough. So for that reason, Valdez is a live underdog. From a betting perspective, I like Elder to win outright, just any which way, shape, or form, right? Covers you by finish, submission, blah, blah, blah. Fight starts right number two. So then we get out of round number one, five minutes. And then Valdez by knockout. Because that's how he does his business. He knocks folks out. That's that's how he would win this fight. You know what I'm saying? And so just put that out there. That's my play on this Valdez versus Evan Elder fight. Again, I like Evan Elder to win the fight by, well, I said by decision, but I do want to qualify that I have the fight not going to decision. So I'm a little torn on how it ends. The fight starts for number two, Valdez by KO. I won't be betting Evan Elder by decision, even though that's my prediction. <laughs> so I'm not super confident on that. But Evan Elder at minus 285, I do have him winning that lightweight fight. And we move on. Jack Della Madalena versus Basil Hafez. Now, Mr. Hafez at plus 440 is one of the biggest dogs in the entire card, if not the biggest dog, up against Jack Della Madalena from down under from Australia. Madalena's 14 and 2 overall. And you've got Hafez at 8, 3 and 1 overall. Madalena's on a hot streak, 5-0 in his last five. You got Hafez at 4-1 in his last five. Madalena, surprisingly, is 26 years young. Uh, doesn't look that. I mean, maybe check the birth certificate, but he, he's a young cat. Hafez is 31, and Hafez looks pretty good for his age. Uh, you could argue he even looks younger than Madalena. But don't let the looks deceive you. Um, we didn't spend a lot of time in this fight because, quite frankly, we're we're being lazy number one it just seems to me like a gimme fight and it has all the hallmarks of a fight that looks to be just sort of a sloppy mismatch by the ufc just to get madalena a fight and i'm not saying like this is not like oh they're fixing i just look they gotta get the guy to fight and i can speculate why this fight could be a trap though i'll give you one sliver of why it could be a trap Yo, what's good, man? Terry Mizo. My man, dude. It's always good to have you up in here, dude. Texas forever, man. Derek. Um, so long and short of it is I will give you a a a reason for why there could be some, let's say, some some level of pause on just running to the table with that minus 625. Um, Madalena. We'll talk about that in a second. But here we go. 
Madalena, big favorite, 26 years old, 5'11", same height. You know, both guys match up size-wise. At first glance, you're like, oh, okay, a little more experience for Madalena. It's not just that. Hafez is making his UFC debut. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, so let me read our analysis here in the newsletter. So... One second here. Magdalena by a knockout within the first two rounds is our prediction. Hafez has less than a week's notice to face one of the toughest welterweights on the roster. These one-sided matchups are becoming common in the UFC. Magdalena is more likely to make quick work of Hafez. It's just like last week with uh, Bo Nickel. I mean, th- these are these are very mismatched fights in terms of the competition level. I'm not suggesting there's anything nefarious with this. It just is what it is. Uh, the books are aware too. They're gonna make you pay the premium. You're gonna pay minus six twenty-five. Um, if you're gonna parlay it, okay. You're not gonna get tons of bump in your parlay. Our rule of thumb here is anything that exceeds minus five hundred, we're, we're out. Anyway, so um, making a, a debut on a week's notice against a killer like Madalena is is just uphill battle for my man over here, Hafez. Now consider this as well with Hafez. He's been a split decision. In four of his last nine fights, and twice in his last three fights. And let me repeat that. Hafez fighting at general to lower caliber fighters has been a split decision in four of his last nine fights and two of his last three. Now, I would argue most of those opponents, most, not all, are very average to subpar fighters. And you go to splits, right? Now, one of those who gets Jeremiah Wells, you might recognize the name. Jeremiah Wells is currently in the UFC, and he's actually a pretty good fighter and has hella finishing ability. Amazing to think that these guys went the full decision together, right? It was a split. So that's the one bleep on the radar where you're like, wait a second. He went full decision against Wells. He's got that in him. He, he took the best of Wells. Now, Wells has improved since then. It was a while ago. But just saying, rest of that little roster of people that he fought, Hafez, very up and down average middling fighters and he's going to splits with these guys so just you know putting it in mind you know he's not dominating the opponents that are at the lower level anyway here's my little speculation for pause let me pull up the notes here on these two fighters so when i pull up the notes let me share with you guys here so jack's 26 from australia Average fight time, 5 minutes, 14 seconds. Lands 8.27 strikes per minute. Absorbing 4.29. 71% take on defense, pretty good. Been a pro for 7 years, has 17 total fights. What's to like about Jack? He has uh, 6 fights in UFC, including Dana White Contender Series. Be, this will be his 7th, right? 4 straight wins by finish. Very impressive. He does a very good job of making adjustments, and that's like mid-round type of adjustments. You'll see him take his time early on, watch his opponent, digest some things, download it, process things, and then all of a sudden he turns up the heat, gets a finish. You just love the fighter IQ. He fights like a like a 15-year vet, not like a seven-year guy. Um Schedule, strength of schedule, very, very good. Has faced much better competition than his opponent. Now, what is the cons? What what would be bad about this matchup? What are the concerns? How would this 
How would he not win? Well, first of all, what if he looks past this opponent? Like, it happens to the best of them. It happens in team sports. A whole damn team, whole football team, whole baseball team, whole basketball team looks past another team. Could one fighter look past their opponent and think, oh, here's a slam dunk. I don't even have to worry about my conditioning the last week or so of camp. Well, I say a week or so. These last few days, I can, you know, I'm fine. This guy's got nothing on me. And you just give up that little edge. You expose. Could that happen? Jack's still very young. Then secondly, the fight changes, the additional weight cut, uh, the, the going from UFC 290, huge stage pay-per-view. Yeah, I'm on there with my Australian brothers like Volkanovski, you know, pro, pro international fight week. I'm on that fight card, and now I'm in the apex a week later. A little bit of a, a little bit of a, I mean, buzzkill would be the right terminology, right? And it's just natural, like nothing against anyone. It's no one's fault. This happens. His other guy backed out. He's, he should be just grateful he's getting a fight right away, right? And they're giving him a guy that he should be. So, like, it's, you know, hey, but the emotions of it are, I was available last week. <sighs> Wait, cut again. Now I'm two weeks of this, like, not eating the way I would want to be eating, starving myself. There's maybe some effects to my cardio now. Maybe I'm going to press things, make a mistake early on. I'm overlooking this guy. Um, all these changes. My my less time now preparing for this guy. Who I, there's some there's some reasons. There's some reasons I'm telling you. Um, as for Bas, Basil Hafez, uh, no numbers on him for striking because again, first UFC fight, 31 years old, 19 total fights, went pro 2016, so been a pro for seven years. He got a finish in his last fight. He got a KO finish in round three um, against a fighter that he did fight twice in his last three fights. The time before that, he lost by a split to that guy. Um, he won a split decision draw. I'm sorry. He went to split decision draw against Jeremiah Wells, and Jeremiah Wells is currently UFC. And that was one of his split decisions, but it went to a split decision just draw. Our concerns for Mr. Basil Hafez. UFC debut, less than a week's notice, his very questionable strength of schedule, and the close finishes in these recent fights where he's he's going to split. And so, you know, for those reasons, I don't know where you could find yourself going with Basil Hafez, but I do want to say some people out there that are smarter than me and sharper than me are talking about Hafez. And I and I do I'm not gonna ignore the chatter. If you watch Basel Hafez fight, he's not completely awful. And again, he's hugging there with at least one guy who's in the UFC. But man, Jack Delamont Delena is so hot right now. And I'm not talking about his physical features. I'm talking about my man's ability. He's so hot right now. Um, the props we like for this fight. Where are we at here? The props we like for this fight are... Um, Madalena within the first two rounds, Madalena by knockout, and the fight doesn't start round number three. I just think Madalena's going to have his way with this guy. Levels above him. And for Hafez, welcome to the UFC. And uh, we'll see you again soon, right? <laughs> we'll see you again soon. Uh, comments real quickly here. Uh, Francis... 
sorry, Francis is the Sith. Like what you're doing, bro. On point with the fight now. Thank you so much. I appreciate that, Francis. Very kind of you. Thank you very much, brother. Haven't seen you. I don't think here before, but just coming through and saying something so kind like that is just you know, bueno, bueno. Uh, BC says here, slam dunk. Odds don't play books on this one. Yeah, I mean, there's look the odds people, man. They they are they're brilliant. They know what they do, man. They're they're not playing no games. Um, Terry Mizo, always good to have you up in the chat. Always good to have you up in here, bro. So, yeah, that's the breakdown there for, for Jack Dale and Magdalena versus Basil Hafez. And again, forgive me, it wasn't a very detailed breakdown because I think sometimes you can judge the book by its cover. <laughs> and it's like, you know, you got a guy who's on the rise in UFC doing well. They owe him a fight. They're giving him an American, Basil Hafez, who's, he's okay. Regional guy. Not too much to, to travel him. And so we have, we have. Moving up the card, Austin Lingo at nine and two, the American against Mel Quazel Costa. I, I think it's Mel Quazel, Quazile. I might be saying that wrong. I apologize. The Brazilian Costa is 19 and six overall against Austin Lingo, who's nine and two overall. And um, here we have a little more analysis to talk about, a little more details. We go up this card. So for Costa, minus 205 favorite. We got Lingo at plus 175. Costa's 19 and 6 overall. Lingo's 9, nine and 2. Both 3 and 2 in their last five. You got Costa at 26 years old, very young. And Lingo at 29, also young. Nine-year professional career for Costa. Six-year pro career for Lingo. For experience, we give a slight edge to Costa over Lingo. But both guys are very limited in experience. Even though Costa has like 25 total fights, it's... Again, lower caliber, not in the UFC by any means, right? Fighter IQ, about the same. Cardio, very similar. Finishing ability, not much on either side. Striking, average. And, and takedown offense and defense, very average. The fight does not go to decision is our expectation. The fight going to round two, though, is also our expectation. Uh, the over a half round, it might be chalky, but I'm hoping it's under minus 500 because could be a parlay piece i think we can at least get to round number two right and then finishing the fight within rounds two and three for costa i believe that's a high likelihood because if we get to rounds two and three i believe his cardio his pressure and pace could be too much for lingo who tends to to fatigue um so let me get to the written analysis here give me one second here all right let me pull this up too so this is the sheet I'll get to in a second, but let me read through the breakdown here. So for Austin Lingo, plus 175 against Melquizel Costa, minus 205 featherweight bout, minus, I'm sorry, 145 pounders. Uh, Costa, we like him to finish the fight within rounds two and three. That's our prediction. Not sure if it's a submission or a knockout, but at some point, rounds two and three, we believe Costa will finish Lingo. For Costa, he's a solid Brazilian prospect with a variety of ways that he can win fights. He has punching power that can't be underestimated. He scored knockouts in each of his last two wins. He's also had a handful of submission finishes as well. Costa isn't much of an offensive wrestler, though. He was unable to score a single takedown in his lone UFC fight. He has not, he hasn't, I'm sorry, excuse me. He was knocked out in his UFC debut by Thiago Moises. Now, in his defense, 
that was a late replacement fight, and Moises is a very good fighter. It's almost impossible for debutantes, right, in that situation to actually get a win. As a result, Moises actually dominated him for two rounds before finishing him. The key for Costa in this fight is to mix in his grappling and to try to wear down Lingo. Costa may have a small endurance advantage as the fight goes longer. For Lingo, he's a balanced fighter that trains at an established gym, Fortis MMA. He's getting consistent training with top-level fighters, both UFC caliber and the likes, PFL, whatever, Bellator, the whole nine. What we like most about Lingo is his UFC experience and his balanced fighting style. Lingo isn't amazing at any one thing, but he's the proverbial jack-of-all-trades. The key to success for Lingo is to manage his gas tank. At times, he could push too hard of a pace, which wears himself out. Lingo also needs to improve his striking ratio. He absorbs more strikes than he's dishing out. The good news is that he's only 29 years old. He has plenty of time to make improvements. We expect to, we expect to see some of those improvements this weekend. The betting spots like the most of the fight are going to be the fight starting round number two, and the fight doesn't go the distance. So we don't have a lot of special like this fight. We've narrowed it down to just two spots. The fight starts round number two, and the fight doesn't go the full distance. Again, very questionable on the cardio for Lingo rounds two and three. And for Costa, you know, even though he didn't look great against Thiago Moises, you can see that if, you know, he had a more even matchup, that he could be a problem. And he's very athletic. So um, probably should be a pick him. Quite honestly, minus 205 is is rich <laughs> for a fighter who's 0-1 in the UFC. And so maybe this is a little bit overpriced. But we like Costa to win. Um, as for fighter stats here real quickly, uh, Lingo is 29 years old out of 47 May. Average fight time, 13 minutes and 33 seconds. Landing 4.21 strikes per minute, absorbing 4.36. Averaging 0.55 takedowns per 15 minutes. Has 78% takedown defense. Went professional 2017, so been a professional for six years. Total fights, 15. Out of a very good gym. Has UFC experience. This will be his fifth UFC fight. Pretty good cardio. Most of his wins are by decision. And when I say pretty good cardio, he can win by decision. But man, he is a half of himself, a shell of himself in rounds two and a half to three. The concerns we have for Lingo. Declining finish rate. He hasn't finished an opponent in his last four fights. He began his career with five finishes in his first seven fights. Now, typically, finish rates do go down as you go up in competition, so it does make some sense. And he doesn't have a signature win. He has wins over Saldana and Kilburn, but they don't really raise many eyebrows. A win over, for example, Nate Landwehr or Zalal, that would have been more notable. He fought those guys. He lost those guys. As for Melquizel Costa, 26 years young, right? Brazilian fighter, southpaw, average fight time, 9 minutes and 5 seconds. Landing 2.53 strikes per minute, absorbing 2.42. So he's just about an even striking ratio, almost close to negative as well. Zero takedowns per 15 minutes. Has 42% takedown defense. He's out of shoot box. Jao, which is a pretty good gym in Brazil. I believe it's not the shoot box, obviously Diego Lima, but one I've heard of before has some pretty good fighters. He's got 25 total fights. Been a professional since 2014, nine-year professional career. What's the like about Costa? Fight experience. He does have more than double the amount of actual cage fights than his opponent here. Has good BJJ skills, a handful of submissions over the course of his career. 
he's an active fighter. He fights about twice a year. If you look back over the last, let's say, three or four years. Now, our concerns for him, his grappling. Now, though he has good offensive submission skills, he's it's on his resume, right? He's also been submitted recently himself. He lost his last fight by submission. And then durability. He's been finished three times over his six defeats. That's a 50% rate. So when he loses, it's it's almost half the time by a finish. Just something to keep in mind. Anyway, all that said there, we're going to go with Costa to win the fight in somewhere around two or three. We don't know how, but we speculated end around that time period. What are your thoughts, guys? Let me see if we have anything in here. Um, <clears throat> Marcus says here, uh, these guys, these guys are tough. Yeah, these guys are tough. Might lean to the Brazilian over Lingo, but just a fun fight. No sprinkle. Yeah, I agree, Marcus. Um, I think my first analysis, I was like, man, you know, Lingo, he's got some experience and, you know, he's a good winning percentage and uh, he's got some grappling skills. And and I was like, you know, plus, plus, plus money. And he still is a live dog. But then I start looking at Mel Quazelle and I'm like, he just got so squashed up there by Thiago Moises. Once he can get, you know, things a little bit more in his wheelhouse, he's going to be a problem. He's going to be a little bit of a problem. So, uh, Marcus says here, I rewatched the Lingo fight with Lee Saldana. I thought Saldana did enough to the first and second round. Yeah, dude, it's it's one of those things where that's a fight clearly where I thought some of the, 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 the chinks in the armor, right, were exposed. You can sort of see where it's, ooh. You know, Lingo has been has been you know on the verge of getting exposed, and I think Costa is going to be a handful for him, um, and has just enough athleticism to to pose a threat. But it's a great point, Marcus. Very good point. Lingo's face was all jacked up, and Saldana didn't have a scratch. <laughs> Don't even get me started on the whole damage thing. What was the fight? I was watching a fight. Was it probably UFC 290? I maybe I forgot which fight it was. But somebody had so much more damage, it wasn't even close. And the commentators were just like, oh, we're not sure, you know, who's ahead. I'm like, I went, when they want to use damage as a, like, oh, it's the biggest factor, they'll say it. And then sometimes they just ignore it, you know. Uh, in that case there, Marcus, yeah, a good example of how, I guess, they ignored it. Oh, I think I think Marcus, good question. I think Thiago Moises is very, very good. But lest we forget that he got dominated by who 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 put the brakes on him and someone or beat someone beat the brakes off his behind. Um it was a Yoel Alvarez or something like that. Just to, <laughs> caught him off guard. He wasn't ready. So, you know, we all have our days, but I do like Thiago Moises. He's a very good fighter. Um Marcus says here, the commentary sways judgment. I watched it with immediate. Listen, let me tell you something. It doesn't just sway the general public's you know, perception. When they have these fights in the apex and it's like only like 15 people in the room. I know I'm exaggerating, but like a very small amount of people in the room. The judges can like they can hear the commentary. They can hear when like Bizbang or someone's like, oh, that was a good takedown or that was a good punch or. So, yes, very, yeah, (laughs) very shift day. Um, Okay, let's move on, guys. Next fight, Victoria Dudakova, strawweight battle, 115-pounders versus Estela Nunes. And um, the Brazilian Nunes is 6-4. and 
Victoria is 6-0. Let me pull up their profiles right quickly here. So for Nunez, rough stretch here. She's 1-4 and four in her last five. Quite a big dog here. 30 years old and 11 months, so about to be 31. He's still very young. I mean, not, not uh, aging out by any means, just on a rough stretch, right? She's a plus 175 on her dog. She's 31 years old, like we just said, 13-year professional career. For fight experience, we do give her a small edge here because obviously she's got a few more fights, 6-4 and four compared to 6-0 and oh for Victoria. Victoria's undefeated, minus 205 favorite, 5 in her last 5, 24 years young, so 7 years younger than Nunez, but I would even see age there as more of a, a hindrance for due to COVID because she is so young and lacks experience, right? So 24 years old, has been a pro for only three years, right? So side by side, I think experience goes to Nunez. Fighter IQ, I'm not super impressed with Nunez's decisions. She may have more experience, but I think IQ-wise, we're in the same ballpark. Cardio, I'm giving a lower rating to due to COVID because I just have to see her against better competition. These finishes against fighters that are like lower level, it's like, I need to see you pressed at late round two, late round three, say so respond before I can give her a high rating for cardio. And for Nunez, she gets sloppy fast. She's okay early on and gets sloppy. So cardio is not a good grade for me on her either. Finishing ability, Dudakova at least has finishes on the resume. Nunez is all decisions. Not all of them, but most of them. <laughs> Striking, about the same. And grappling, about the same. It is an even matchup. The price is a little rich here for Dudakova, who's making a debut. Undefeated, right? Undefeated debutante. You know, we know this story over and over again. Um, but I do like her. I think she's actually got the goods. And the film sort of backs that up, even though it's against, against subpar competition, right? Let me go through our... Um, our read real quickly here. So Dudakova by decision is the prediction. For us, it's kind of like the Bo Nickel treatment. She's getting the Bo Nickel treatment. She's getting a nice matchup. She's undefeated. Get her to 7-0. For Nunez, she's on the verge of getting cut. <laughs> I mean, no doubt about it. I mean, another bad loss for Nunez, and it might be just over. Dudakova is undefeated. Bring her in here. Get her a nice win. Maybe get a finish. So to me, it seems like the UFC is clearly pushing the Russian prospect. Now, unless Nunez comes out as an entirely different fighter for some reason, like flipped a new switch, turned 30 to 31, like whole new game plan, it just seems unlikely she'll stop Dudakova or put the brakes on this young prospect. So I think Nunez is going to be vulnerable on the ground, and that's where Dudakova does her best work. Uh, yeah, not much else to say here. I think Victoria Dudakova takes her down and then sort of takes advantage of her on the ground every which way, shape, or form. The betting spots like for this fight are going to be Dudakova to win outright, which is minus 205. The fight starts right number two, which we don't have a line yet on that. Nunes by split decision and Dudakova by split decision. Now, I said I like Dudakova to win. I talked a big game there, but it's still a female fight. It still probably goes to decision. And at that point, you know, beauty's in the eyes of the beholder. One round's close and we end up in a split, right? Marcus says here, Good point. I agree. Commentators narrating in the apex. Yeah, it just, you can literally, if you're a judge, you're like four or five feet away and you're hearing because some some punches you can't see them land, like you're, the angle, and but the announcers will respond to it or they'll be saying, oh, look at all this takedown control um, or they're not doing anything with that takedown control. I mean, just, you know, it goes on and on how they could possibly hear them and it just, you know, could disrupt. Um, 
Well, okay, so Nunez keeping on the feet to, to possibly win. Um, hey, man, if she could do that, that's the game plan. Uh, Dudakova is going to try to muck it up and make it ugly, right? That's going to be the, the battle. In American top team, we trust. I like it. I like it. And uh, yes, in terms of uh, Estella, she is an ATT prospect out of Brazil, right? So, but uh, we're going to go with, uh, again, we're going to be going with uh, Dudakova to win that fight. And we're going to go with her winning that fight. Uh, by decision and again wouldn't be too surprised if it's a close one if you catch my drift uh next one this should be the last fight on the prelim card according to my last check but let me double check one more time it is tucker lutz versus melsic bagazarian and uh we've got ourselves a good old scrapple here between two fighters that are pretty good strikers i mean just about average for striking um, on the ground, that's where things a little bit different. We'll talk about that during the break round here. So Tucker Lutz, featherweight bout. My man is 12 and 3 overall. Two, three and two in his last five, excuse me. Slight dog in the matchup here out of Maryland, 29 years old, five for eight high with a 72 inch reach. Trained out of Ground Control Academy and Shattuck MA Academy. As for Bakdazarian, who goes by the gun, he's seven and two overall, four one his last five. He's an Armenian fighter, minus 210-ish on the money line right now. I'll double-check the exact number here. He is minus 165. Ooh, there's been a change. Uh, you got Lutz at plus 140. Um, let me jump back over here. And Bakhtazarian, 31 years old, so only two years older, about the same age. 5'9", similar height, similar reach. He's out of Muay Thai America Gym. All right. As for our side by side, these two guys, experience wise, we have an edge to Lutz, who's fought a few more fights in the cage. Fighter IQ also on the side of Lutz. I mean, he's fought better competition, you know, so on and so forth. Cardio, both guys can fight for all three rounds, no problem. Finishing ability, Melsic has the higher finish rate. Striking, they both have pros and cons. I mean, if Lutz lets his hands go, works behind a jab, he may have the advantage. If Melsic gets his karate style kicking game going, he gets the advantage. Um, for the grappling, I like Lutz in that area, and that to me could be the deciding factor. Let me read to you guys the breakdown real quickly here. So Lutz by decision is the prediction. Lutz is eager to get back into the win column after back-to-back defeats. Excuse me one second while I take a swig of this beautiful wine. So Lutz hasn't had his hand raised in two years since 2021 now though he was submitted in his last outing he's been durable throughout the bulk of his career finished twice the key to victory for lutz is maintaining his range and letting his hands go he has an effective jab and nice combinations where he gets into trouble is when he trades with his opponents at close range now notably lutz isn't much of a finisher his last three wins were by decision and his last finish was about four years ago. As for Melsic Bagdazarian, he's also walking, he's also coming to this fight off of a submission loss. By far for him, grappling is the weakest part of his game. All of Melsic's wins are by decision or knockout. It makes sense when you consider that his foundation is in boxing. If Lutz takes the fight to the mat, Melsic will be in danger of giving up control time or maybe even getting submitted again. Melsic's 76% takedown defense will be tested in this fight. 
The key to success for Melsic is to keep the fight standing and to showcase his boxing skills. The betting spots that makes the most sense for us in this fight are going to be the fight going over 1.5 rounds. Fight starts round number three and Tucker by decision. Let me pull up for you our little handy dandy sheet here, our fighter stats sheet. Again, available off of our newsletter, which I'll show you that right now. Here's our newsletter page. And you see there the link for link to fighter stats. You click that and it pulls up that, right? Let me close a few windows to me. Windows are open. And so here's what we got here. So featherweight bout, 145 pounders, Tucker Lutz versus Melsic Badazarian. Lutz, 29 years old, American fighter, orthodox fight stance, 13 minutes, 34 seconds, average fight time, absorbing 2.02 strikes per minute, dishing out 4.04. So about a two to one striking ratio. That's awesome. Averaging 1.77 takedowns per 15 minutes. So just about... If you break it down per round, it's obviously less than one takedown per round, but in the range of like 0.75 uh, takedowns per round. Has 69% takedown defense. Not wonderful yet. Should it be a problem here because Melsic is not the wrestling type. Total fights for Lutz, 23. Went professional 2015, so been a pro for eight years. What's the like about Lutz? His cardio tends to win on scorecards. And Fighter IQ knows how to win by points. It seems like a, I guess, an afterthought, but it's not an afterthought for some fighters. <laughs> Our concerns for Tucker Lutz, two-fight L-streak, has lost two in a row, and has a tendency to go to decision, right? No finishing ability. Hasn't registered a finish in his last four fights. As for Melsic Bagdazarian, 31-year-old Armenian fighter out of Muay Thai American gym, he is a southpaw. So Southpaw gets an orthodox fighter. The adjustment will need to be made more on the uh, Tucker Lutz side, right? Average fight time, just about 11 minutes. He's a boxer, landing 5.63 strikes per minute, absorbing 3.28. So again, very good ratio for both guys in terms of striking. A little more volume for Melsic. Takedown offense for Melsic, uh, nil. Not an offensive wrestler at all. So zero takedowns so far in the UFC but has pretty good takedown defense. Again, 76%. We mentioned that before during the read of the breakdown. 14 total fights for Melsic. Went professional in 2014. Been a pro for nine years. And here's what I like about Melsic. Good striking volume, right? Averaging more than his opponent in terms of total strikes. Good striking technique. Has the boxing foundation, right? And his southpaw stance. That's a bit of an adjustment for every fights. Now, our concerns for Melsic very inactive he hasn't fought very much the last three years his wrestling fights exclusive his fights exclusively on the feet and submission defense right he's gonna struggle against good grapplers and it's been shown obviously in recent fights let me go ahead and change my spot over here okay so that's the tucker lutz versus melsic badazarian fight Again, we're going with Tucker Lutz to win the fight by decision. And Tucker Lutz is a plus 140 dog. Um, that'll be the second of two dogs we like on the prelim card. If you're, let me just maybe big screen this for you guys. So prelim card, the first few fights we have here, we like Ashley Evan Smith as a plus 170 dog to win the fight by decision. We like Munoz to win his fight by decision as a minus 170 favorite. 
Then we're going to be taking Azat Maxim, the big favorite at minus 410 to beat Tyson Nam, the veteran. But man, caution, caution there, guys. Caution, caution. Next fight, we like Evan Elder to win that fight. Um, we said by decision, but we had the fight not going to the full decision. So we're a little bit twisted there, but we like Elder to win over Valdez. Uh, next fight, Jack Della Maddalena within the first two rounds. Some kind of a finish. Club, club and sub, something. He will end Hafez within 10 minutes. Uh, that's our decision there. Minus 625 is the money line, so be careful with that from a betting perspective. And then Melquez Costa at minus 205. We're going to take him to beat Austin Lingo. And we like Mel Mel Melquez. Ah, why am I even trying to say that name again? Costa. Costa by round two or three finish is where we like our, our spot uh, for how the fight ends. Not sure exactly how, though, of course. Uh, Victoria Dudakova versus Estela Nunez. We like Dudakova to win the fight in to the distance. We just don't know how. Most likely after the first round, though, like rounds two or three. So Victoria at minus 205. We like her to beat and stop Nunez, who's been on a slide, on a slide. And then last fight for the prelim card, Melsic Bagdazarian versus Tucker Lutz. Lutz at plus 140 is our second dog. We're taking the prelim card. We like Tucker Lutz to, to land more jab, stay at distance. And when the fight gets to the ground, just completely outclass Melsic. And I mean, geez, we're going to fight going the distance, but we wouldn't be surprised if Lutz submits Melsic because Melsic's that bad on the ground and Lutz has some submission ability. So that's your prelim breakdown. <sighs> deep breath and now we are going to move into the main card for ufc vegas 77 before we do that let's <clears throat> deep breaths you know take our time here to sort of like reassess look at the whole card here the poster and everything how's the chat going are you guys okay are you are you falling asleep now are you you know is my voice putting you guys into a gentle mode uh what was happening here Marcus writes in here, he says, perhaps a Melsic slam dunk here. Dude, I, I can't argue with that, man. I I found myself uh, the proverbial torn here, right? The coin flip, not really sure which way to go because I, I could literally see Melsic looking like much cleaner on the feet, right? And, and landing combinations and, and doing the Melsic stuff, right? I, I said karate style. It's not really quite accurate, but like he's got that ninja is ninja 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 esque about him i don't know how to say that word without sounding crazy um and tucker lutz has a roboticness about him which can be problematic it's like that's why in my breakdown of tucker lutz i said let the hands go this is a critical part of his game plan if he can't let the hands go we get robotic lutz and robotic lutz is low volume lutz that's that's standing and watching lutz that's getting hit and being reactive Lutz. And that's the Lutz we have to be careful of here. But at 29 years old, man, and I, you know, I don't know, at plus 140, you know, I think you're probably much safer with the fight. Like, let me see if the props are out for the, the props might be out for that fight, which I can't get into that. If I'd start doing that right now, I'm going to be here forever. Right. Uh, no, it's not right. So Tucker Lutz versus Bakhtazarian. It still just has the over-unders and the money line, but the props are not out yet. They're on, on DraftKings. So, yeah, we're not behind at all on that stuff. I mean, as of 1.46 here a.m. on uh, Thursday morning, the prop prices are still not out for the premium card on UFC Vegas 77, at least not on DraftKings. So, happy to report we are still accurate. Um, 
but let me get back here. Any more comments? Let me catch up. Uh, Marcus says here, OIC, scratch that. Melsic could lose to wrestling. I mean, it, listen, <laughs> either way, <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a, a wait and see approach, right? We get to game day, we watch the fight. Ask me after the fight how I feel. I'll be like, oh, I knew that was gonna happen. You know, the the Monday morning quarterback, right? Yeah. So you, I agree. So Marcus, we're like hundred percent on the same page, dude. I think Melsic does with the part, and I can understand why he's a favorite. I ain't even argue about it. Um, I know I see it often, but like this fight could also be a pick'em. It could also be a pick'em. Marcus says here, I am biased based on Tucker underperforming recently. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Yes, that's a really good point. And and that affects all of us. It just it's weird how that happens. You see a fighter perform, you see him lose a certain way, and then you get it in your head like they're trash. Like Kennedy, Kennedy Njoku is a guy I've done that with before. Like Kennedy Njoku, the fight against Carlos Olberg, where he was basically like not throwing a single punch back for like two minutes and just getting punched. And Olberg just wore himself out trying to punch this guy out. And I just, after that fight, I was like, I could never like get behind Kennedy Njuku. But I've been wrong because he's actually looked pretty good at times and he's won some fights and he's displayed better fighter IQ and a, and a more of a sense of urgency. But in my brain, it's hard for me to forget when Kennedy Njuku fought that fight and literally didn't fight and was like going for extended periods of time about to have the fight get called off. Like, the ref was like telling him, listen, if you don't do something or respond, we're going to call the fight. And I'm like, ah. And so anytime I see the name Kennedy Njuku come up on a fight card, I'm like, oh, that's the guy who had like that fight where he had the one of the worst fighter IQ moments ever, but still, but still ended up pulling off the win. And it's like, oh my goodness. So, you know, guys like that scare you from a betting perspective. You know what I'm saying? So, all right, let's go on to the main card. Nazim Sadyakov versus Terrence McKinney. Now, Nazim Sadyakov is at minus 135. McKinney's at plus 115. Sadyakov is 8-1 overall with a 5-0 record in his last five. You got McKinney 3-2 in his last five with a 13-5-0 record. Both guys are late 20s, 29 for Sadyakov and 28 for McKinney. Five-year professional experience for Sadyakov and a six-year pro for McKinney. Which is surprising. Like McKinney, I feel like he just became a pro the other day, and it's already been six years. It's amazing how time flies. Um, there are side-by-side comparisons. Uh, Rudy had the edge and experience to McKinney because he's been in the UFC a little bit longer, right? This this will be uh, his first time for Sajikov. I should know that offhand, but forgive me. I don't want to... I know it's not the first time for Sajikov. It's the second fight for Sajikov, right? It's definitely a second fight in UFC, but he doesn't have as much UFC experience as as McKinney. So, um, yes, yeah, second fight in UFC for Sajikov, but his third if you include the contender series, right? Okay, one second. Uh, so fight experience, we give an edge there to McKinney. Fighter IQ, edge to Sajikov. We'll talk more about the fighter IQ issues in a second here with Mr. McKinney. Uh, Cardio-wise, definitely an edge for Sajikov. And again, we'll cover that in a moment. Finishing ability, you know what? About equal. We know McKinney has finishing ability. We also know he gets finished. <laughs> and Sajikov has finishing ability himself. So we'll talk about these guys, you know, separately in a second. Um, striking, edge to Sajikov. He's cleaner. He's uh, more accurate. He's more technical. And he's definitely more consistent. Uh, McKinney, powerful, amazing, flying knees, flying ninja, everything, but not as consistent, right? Uh, 
Uh, grappling. Here's where it's interesting. McKinney is a very underrated wrestler, former high school wrestler, like on the edge of the Olympic team, uh, had an opportunity in college to wrestle, got mixed up in some stuff, but still the guy's very talented on the ground, has submissions. Uh, he can grapple. So can Nazim. It's hard to tell you who's better. It's hard to tell you who's worse. I can tell you a tired McKinney is worth it on the ground. So it just depends what round, what period of time is. If it's McKinney in round one in the first 30 seconds, yeah gonna be ferocious on the ground if it's mckinney round two on the ground uh probably not getting back up right probably on his back getting exposed so yeah so for our grading the edges go to car and iq and cardio to sajak cough along with striking if i have one any one edge there for mckinney it's experience which is not to be underrated right uh let's jump into our uh our our read our read on this fight here so Terrence McKinney plus 115 versus Nazim Sajikov at minus 135. A lightweight fight at 155 pounds. We like Nazim Sajikov by round two knockout. That's at plus 600 now for this fight here, guys. I'm happy to tell you we do have all the numbers available. We do have all the prop bets, split props, the whole nine, everything for you guys. So I'm happy to read through the numbers here with you guys very slowly and give you guys the, the full analysis on these fights okay let me get uh hold on a second here all right so okay so sajikov by round two knockout is plus 600 that's our prediction McKinney was kind enough to do an interview with us about a year and a half ago. One of the first interviews we did on this, on this network was McKinney. So he's a nice guy. We always fans of Terrence McKinney. He's uh, newly was a, he's a new father. Um, the guy just overall is, is a likable guy. Someone you want to root for. But unfortunately he was on the wrong side of a bad knockout in his last fight. That was done in Brazil. And uh, it was a fight where you kind of thought there might be some violence. You know, McKinney's a killer be kill kind of guy. But man, he got he got flattened, like flattened, hit the floor flat, unconscious, had to be woken up. He's been finished in all five of his losses. So again, either he's knocking someone out, right, and looking amazing, or a few minutes later he's getting his his ass knocked out himself. The fight against Drew Dober is a snapshot of his career. Like early on in the fight, he's about to finish Drew Dober. It's going well. It's looking glorious and then he gets very excited <laughs> pours on too much pressure makes a few little mistakes runs out of gas and then dober finishes him um so that's a learning experience right mckinney's young you know makes some adjustments maybe he could shake it off right the easiest path to victory for sajikov is this get past the first round like a minute and a half like literally like 90 seconds dude if Sajikov gets past 92nd mark, survives the first wave of attacks from Terrence McKinney, and then we get to like almost two minutes now, I think at that point, until I see otherwise, I believe McKinney becomes a shell of himself, doesn't have much to offer, starts to display signs of fatigue, and at that point, Sajikov will more or less have his way with McKinney and be able to do whatever he wants to do with him. Now look, until McKinney displays the ability to fight beyond the first half of round one and show that he has the discipline, the cardio, um, the patience, the mental fortitude to calm. Because again, 
the fight where reversed Dober, it was amazing. He almost Dober's a tough guy to get out. He had Dober hurt, but then he, like I said, he got himself so worked up, he was his almost worst enemy. And so if he could learn to manage things as bad, you know, cardio, whatever, and his mental like output, um, he'll find a better rhythm. And that can happen. He's young. Um, but until then, I'm going to have to fade him against guys like Nazim Sajikov, who've proven they can go the full decision. They've got somewhat good fighter IQ, uh, you know, crafty enough, make things ugly, get a few holding positions. You know, again, if you're Sajikov in his camp, they all know what I'm saying. Get Terrence McKinney into round number two and say la vie, right? The betting spots like from this fight are going to be Sajikov wins inside rounds one or two. That's plus 125. A spot we like a lot here. It's plus money. We predict he'll win the fight. And if he's going to win, it's going to be within the first two rounds. At some point, he finishes McKinney, probably a tired McKinney. The fight goes under 1.5 rounds is minus 180. We like that spot too. And the fight doesn't start round number three is minus 330. A little chalky, but a, a piece we want to consider as a parlay piece. In a fight where a lot of variance, probably see a finish, who knows what side. At minus 330, almost 3 to 1 odds, at least get yourself covered all the way around. McKinney does not go to round three. He's done it maybe one time before, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Otherwise, there are no round threes for McKinney and his agenda. He's fighting for the first three or four or five minutes. Uh, that's it. By hook or by crook, he'll win or get finished himself trying. Um, I look forward to seeing the fight. And I'm and all that said, I'm choosing Nazim to win, right? I hope Terrence proves me wrong. He's a really good dude. Nice guy. He's been on our show again before. Wish him nothing but the best. A guy who's very likable. And if he comes out here and starts Nazim early on, you go, boy. You go, boy. Um, but based upon our analysis, Nazim Sajikov by round two knockout. Um, that is our prediction, boys and girls. First fight on the main card. A few comments to catch up on real quickly here. Um, Marcus writes in here, the Bafim, the Bafim bro in Brazil with a KO. Yeah, dude, that knee was whew, wee. Going back on that knockout that Terrence McKinney suffered down in Brazil from the Bafim brother. Wow. Wow. Marcus says here, God only gives his toughest battles to the strongest soldiers. That's true. That's true, dude. Let's see how T-Rex does coming back. It's a it's a true phrase. You know, God gives the toughest, you know, test to those he feels that he can really pass them. And so we'll see what T-Rex can do. Uh, T-Rex is at a new gym in Texas. A couple of gyms, maybe. Yeah. So I, I know that he was training with like Kevin Holland and company. Um, and that's like a stable of, of guys that are pretty good. And even like on Instagram, he posted some pictures of like him and some of the guys training and there's a record about recognizable faces from the UFC in that, in that group. So, um, I also heard, I think it was Kevin Holland was like opening up his own gym of some kind and maybe they're training there now. Um, and before that they were kind of like a moving rodeo training at different places. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know a lot going on there, but it could be a good environment. Um, I will say this and I say with all due respect. I thought McKinney had a good foundation in the Northwest. Like he, he had roots up there, in Northwest and warrior fight, camp, warrior fight camp or warrior MMA or something like that was, was a gym. And he, and he had some good teammates and stuff, um, UFC caliber guys. And he left that to go to Texas. So yeah, I hope it's better for him. Um, and we'll see. That's the reason also to ex expect maybe the cardio has been fixed. Maybe he's now training with a guy like Kevin Holland, who, who look, Kevin Holland, don't try, don't question his cardio. Right. 
Um, but maybe now around guys that know the game a little better, uh, make some adjustments, and now maybe Cardo's kind of been upgraded. We'll see. We'll see. Um, so Marcus says here, um, he did an interview with the MMA All-Star. Yes. So, yeah. Um, I mean, that's just it. Made some changes maybe growing up a little bit. He's a father, new father. Um, yeah, it's going to be a good fight. I, I totally agree, Terry Mizo. It's going to be a very good fight. Either way, Nazim Sajakov versus Terrence McKinney, there's going to be some fireworks. I believe someone gets starched within the first two rounds. Yeah, for sure. Okay, moving up the card here. Francisco Prado versus Ottoman Izatar, a lightweight fight. 155 pounders. You got Prado at minus 115, Izatar at minus 105 as of 1.59 a.m. Eastern time on the 13th of July. So about two days out from the event. Uh, still waiting for the full props to come out on the prelim card, but we do have all the prop bets available here for the main card. We'll discuss them with you as we finish up these last few fights. So for Prado, 11-1 and one overall for one of his last five, 21 years old, very young, been a pro for about four years. For Isatar, minus 105 on the line, 13-1 and one overall, 4-1 his last five, 33 years old, not very old, but man, 12 years older than Prado. And for Azatar, been a pro for nine years. A little more experience for Azatar, but not a lot more fight experience, interesting enough, right? We have 11 and 1 versus 13 and 1. As for the side by side comparisons, I mean, these guys match up almost like identical for us across the board in terms of their fighter IQ, experience, cardio, finishing ability, so on and so forth. If we see any one spot of an advantage, it's Prado in the wrestling grappling department. That's the winner we see him having an advantage. Everywhere else, it's like, these guys size up just about even, and we don't have an advantage either way. That's the bottom line. Uh, let me pull up the notes here on this fight. So Ottoman Azatar minus 105, Prado minus 110, lightweight fight. Prado to win within the first two rounds at plus 140. That is our prediction. It's an even matchup, which is reflected on the main line. You can see that, right? Both of them are looking to bounce back from recent defeats. Prado lost a tough battle by decision to Jamie Malarkey in his last fight. Prado was effective on the feet, but his wrestling needs improving. Marlocki took him down several times, and Prado was unable to get back up. As for Ottoman, he was knocked out halfway through round one of his last fight. That's never a good look. It's been about 10 months since the knockout, so he's had some time to recover. Prior to that, he was inactive for almost two years. So if you do the math on him, it's like last three years, he's fought like a half a round. Yeah. The long layoff didn't help him before, and the inactivity... Ain't going to help him now, right? <laughs> so, I mean, it's got to be a bit of a factor. It's a factor for us, right? The last time that Ottoman had his Ottoman, Ottoman, whatever, had his hand raised was in 2020, about three years ago. You know, as you know by now, inactivity, long layoffs, one of our, our biggest like pet peeves. And it's not like it's the oyster fault. It could be injury, whatever else the case may be, visas, whatever. But inactivity is inactivity. Uh, chalk it up as rust, whatever. It's it's just fighters don't do well when they're inactive, is what it is. The betting spots here we like Prado inside the distance at plus 130. Ottoman, is it Ottoman or Ottoman? I'm now I'm like, wait a second here. How's what's this guy's name here? Uh, Ottoman, Ottoman, not where's his name here? It's Ottoman, not Ottoman. I spelled it Ottoman someplace here. I knew I was doing something wrong here. It's not Ottoman. Where are you at here? Uh, Sajukov, wrong spot. Ottoman, Ottoman. 
There it is. Spelled it wrong there. Okay, so we like um, Prado into the distance at plus 130. Ottman within the first two rounds at plus 150. Fight doesn't start round three at minus 250. And Fight doesn't go the full distance at minus 450. Those are the spots we like the most there for Ottman, Isatar versus Francisco Prado. I'll pull up the stats real quickly. Just our Word document again off our newsletter here. So Isatar... 33 from Morocco, switch dance fighter, average fight time, 2 minutes and 32 seconds, landing 6.97 strikes per minute, absorbing 2.63. So, wow. Hella output, very good ratio. Zero takedowns with 100% takedown defense. Went pro in 2014, submitted pro for about 9 years, has 14 total fights. Finish rate, 12 of his 13 wins are by finish. Yeah, high finish rate. Pretty good volume, as we mentioned before, and 100% take on defense. His wrestling, he does little to no wrestling, so not part of his game. And his chin, he has been knocked out in round one uh, before in his last fight. So, yeah, the chin might be a question mark. For Prado, he's 21, very young, from Argentina, which a growing swell of good fighters from Argentina, right? Orthodox fighter, he's uh, average fight time, 15 minutes, absorbing 3.93 strikes per minute while dishing out 1.87 and uh, average uh, takedowns per fight, zero. <laughs> um, and then takedown defense, 25%. Not great. So wrestling is a bit of an issue for Prado. For total fights for Prado, 12. Went pro 2019. Been a pro for about four years. For Prado, his finish rate, all 11 wins by finish, six by submission and five by KO. That's impressive. Win streak. Prior to his last loss, which was his last fight, he won 11 in a row. Punching power, though he didn't knock out Malarkey in his last fight, obviously, a fight he lost, he did, like, crack Malarkey a few times and got his attention. So just something I did kind of caught on film. Um, our concerns here for Prado, uh, take down defense. Couldn't stop takedowns in his last fight. Wrestling, unable to get up after getting taken down. And then he's a one-trick pony. He needs to learn how to win fights in multiple methods. Um, it just can't be by, you know, knockouts and finishes, right? Got to find another path. So let's get back over here to our hated Excel sheet. And so, yeah, long story short, we like Prado. Not super confident, but we are on Prado to win the fight um, within the first two rounds at plus 140. All right, moving on. Norma Dumont at minus 140 versus Chelsea Chandler at plus 120. A female featherweight bout at 145 pounds. This is the highest weight class for female fighting in the UFC. We like Dumont to win the fight by decision, which is plus 110. Uh, that is our prediction. They're side-by-side -side comparisons. We like Dumont's experience and fighter IQ over Chandler. Uh, when it comes to finishing ability, though, we do give Chelsea Chandler an edge. I mean, if anything, based on the resume. Now, granted, in the UFC, we'll see. She has one finish in the UFC. It was, you know, whatever. Okay, opponent. Uh, but we're going to give her a little bit of credit there. So finishing ability, give an edge there to Chandler. But otherwise, striking and grappling about even. Um, cardio about even, and again, slight edge there for Norman Dumont and the experience in the fighter IQ department. In terms of our read on this fight, let me give you the read up right now or the write up. I'm sorry. So, Dumont by decision is the prediction. We're a little surprised that Dumont isn't a larger favorite. She has faced superior competition and she enters this fight having won five of her last six bouts. The one loss she had was a split decision loss that she could have easily gone her way. The only real blemish on her career is a first-round knockout defeat to Megan Anderson in 2020. 
in Dumont's defense, so it was her UFC debut. Now, since then, she's found her rhythm and appears on an upswing. Dumont lands 3.45 strikes per minute while absorbing 2.07 per minute. Additionally, she averages 1.16 takedowns per fight. Now, Dumont's offensive wrestling is getting better. Her defensive wrestling is average at best. Elite grapplers can definitely give her some problems. As for Chandler, she made a splash in her UFC debut earlier this year by earning a ground-and-pound victory in round one. It was a solid start to her UFC career after a dominant run in Invicta. She's a southpaw that sits down on her punches. Imagine this. She has no problem sitting down, throwing some heat. So she gets a little bit flat-footed. And it's like a double-edged sword. Um, you want to sit on your, you want to sit down your punches, throw some heat, right? But at the same time, being flat-footed allows her to be uh, open for counters. Her head movement's lacking. I see Dumont giving her some problems and tagging her at times, right? It would benefit Chandler, by the way, to land something heavy and hard early on to at least get the respect from Dumont, right? Chandler's grappling is pretty good as she did as she showed in her last fight. If and when the fight hits the mat. I'm curious to see who the better grappler would be. I believe in some ways I can see Dumont being better on the ground. In the same way, I can see Chandler being better on the ground. It depends, I guess, cardio might be a factor, technique. For Dumont, we've seen her get controlled on the ground and be on her back too long. So it's not as if I'm like, oh, Dumont's much better. Um, and Chandler's husky and strong, so she could outperform her on the ground. But again, I'm not so sure who's better there. Uh, I might even call it a wash, right? Um Anyway, more likely than most of the fights probably going to play on the feet, not the ground, unless it's a trip or a fall, right? The betting spots like the most of the fight are going to be over 1.5 rounds at minus 450. The fight starts round number three at minus 300, and Dumont by decision at plus 115. Now, surprisingly enough, I didn't mark the split props here in my general notes, but um, the split props will definitely be on our radar because it's a female fight that's probably going to decision, and Look, it's not that we're questioning the judges or suggesting any kind of like, you know, malfeasance or whatever. Um, we're just saying it takes one round where we're not sure. And that's not the judge's fault. Like if there's a round that's just super close, you're like, I don't know who won that round. That's all you need for a split. And so we, we do think it could happen here. Normally Dumont by decision. Marcus says here, uh, or not Marcus. Yeah, Marcus Mustard. Says five inch reach advantage for Prado. The art. Wow, I didn't know that. The Marcus is all over it, dude. I, I didn't realize that. You know why it is too, though. I didn't realize that because tapology, man, they be messing with you sometimes. They'll they'll put numbers up there and they're like, is that a real number? You know, is that a real number? Or are you just you know playing with me? So sometimes I'm not really sure. Let me uh, move it up. We're going to be going now to the co-main event, a middleweight fight. 185-pounders, Jung Young Park versus Albert Durayev. Give me one second. Let me uh, put on some after-hours music. Let's get some after-hours, maybe some. Yeah, I love this little 70s disco, man. This little it gives me like the semi-pro movie vibes. I love it. Donna Summers. Forgive me for the old music, guys, but stay tuned for these nuggets on this UFC Vegas 77 card, baby. Give these little nuggets, man. The nuggets, how do you win some money? Hit these prop bets, parlays, win line bets. Yeah, baby. Let's go. We're diving into the co-main event now. 
middleweight clash, 185 pounders, Jung Young Park, the South Korean. My man ain't playing no games, though. Certifiable ninja. Yeah, he loves to love you, baby. Wow. We're going to, like, jump right in this breakdown. No fluffiness. Love to love you, baby. If you know anything about Donna Summers, man, look it up. She was playing no games. Pioneer. Head of her time. Love to love you, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, BC Dave. You got it now. Yeah. Set me free. Wow. That thought of summer's playing no games. So we got Jung Young Park. He is the favorite right now, minus 155. And you've got my man Albert Durayev. Yeah, he's a Ruski. Plus 135, playing no games. Coming over here, trying to take my man's money. He's not singing Love to Love You. He's probably singing Love to Kill You. Love to Kill You, baby. A remix on that. Derive is 16 and 4. Park is 16 and 5. Both 4 and 1 in the last 5. Both about 33 years old and both been a pro for about 10 years. That's just similar, man. Experience, fighter IQ, striking, grappling, all even marks for us. Now, cardio, that's where you feel like there might be an advantage there for Park. Park may have the deeper gas tank, the South Korean gas tank. No offense to Duraev's Russian roots, but he's looked tired at times in recent fights. And, you know, Park is an animal. And then finishing ability. I mean, seeing Park go toe-to-toe -to -toe with, with Rodriguez, and that was, uh, it was a damn war. It's a damn war, I tell you. And, uh, and so, you know, I have a, a different level of respect for what Park can do, what he's capable of, you know, so... Uh, I like me some Jung Young Park. <laughs> I do like me some Jung Young Park. Uh, he is, he's an animal. So Jung Young Park by third round knockout at plus twenty five hundo. That is the prediction. So we're talking about Albert Durayev. Durayev got a little caught up there. Albert Durayev at minus one fifty five versus Jung Young Park at plus one thirty five. A middleweight bout. 185 pounders. That is what we're talking about. Just in case, you know, the vibration of my sexy voice got you distracted. Let me reel you back in. We're talking about mixed martial arts. Who going to win and how? I got some hot stuff right now. So Durayev, he's a favorite. We like Park by a third round knockout. It's a close fight. They've both fought comparable competition. 
in terms of strength of schedule, very similar. We feel like Park has a cardio advantage, though. If it gets to round three, we think Park's endurance, active pace, it'll be the final touch in the fight. Last in the judges, we'll see. Park has a propensity to get into firefights at times, like for example, against Rodriguez. So he can be kind of a kill or be killed kind of fighter. But he is coming off back-to-back finishes. <laughs> also being finished himself in his last three defeats, though. So he's a guy, again, like like hot stuff, man. Terrence McKinney. If he ain't finishing you, <laughs> he getting finished himself, right? Our biggest critique of Doraev is his durability slash cardio. He's been knocked out in all four of his defeats. So... Hot stuff. If he can't finish Park within the first half of the fight, he'll be in danger of getting finished himself. I keep saying the same thing again, right? Finish this and finish that. Either way, someone is bound to get finished in this fight. And as I say that, I'm thinking to myself, I'm probably going to jinx myself. There has been a lot of fights recently where I was like, that fight definitely won't go the full distance. And then mofos up in their final way to the full distance. Anything's possible, right? And math is never perfect, but this fight seems to have violence written all over it. Durev is a good wrestler with average striking, but unfortunately tends to hit a cardio wall in the second half of the fight. If that happens, Park will be there, ready and waiting to pounce on him. From a betting perspective, here is what we like. The fight starts round number two at minus 450. It doesn't go the full distance, so no full distance at minus 115. And then park into the distance at plus 225. There's the breakdown for Durayev versus Jung Young Park. Yes. Yes. I'll pull up the fighter stats here in a second. Just give me one second. Hot stuff, baby. It's that hot stuff. Yeah, that's that Donna Summers, man. I, I grew up kind of uh, not on it because it's way before I was born. But um, I knew some people who were who were starting to, you know, bump that stuff when I was young. And I was like, man, that Donna Summers, man. She's on that. She's on that soul music, that disco soul music, I guess, right? What do we got here? Let me give you something else that we could jam to. Oh, some weekend. The weekend's always okay. Everyone loves the weekend, right? That's sexy mother. That's sexy mother. All right. Um, let me uh, hit you with the stats here on uh, Albert Durayev minus 155 against Jung Young Park at plus 135. Here are the numbers. All right. Middleweight bout. 185 pounders. Durev is 34 years old. Russian. Orthodox stance out of Burkett FC. He's a grappler, first fighter. Average fight time, 10 minutes, 52 seconds. 
Strikes landed per minute, 2.94. Absorbed per minute, 2.53. Takedowns per 15 minutes, 2.07. Takedown defense, 50%. Total fights for Durev, 20. That would include amateur, pro, backyard brawls with his friends, kickboxing, bar fights, etc., etc. He went pro 2011. That, based upon my math, would be a 12-year professional career. For Durev, he's a good wrestler. He can wrestle both ways, off his back or on top. But then again, both guys can wrestle. He faced good quality competition. Guys like Chidi Ninjukwani, Buckley, and Kapilov. So good opponents. Our concerns for the Russian. Low-volume striker. Less than three strikes per minute. His chin got KO'd in all four of his defeats. Three of those happened within the first two rounds. And endurance, he slows down significantly the second half of the fight. As for the South Korean Jung Young Park, he's 32 years old, out of Korean top team, orthodox fighter, balanced approach. Average fight time, 11 minutes and 15 seconds. Landing 4.92 strikes per minute, absorbing 3.71. Averaging 2.33 takedowns per fight, per 15-minute fight. It has 70% takedown defense. Has 21 total fights on his resume. Been a pro for 10 years. Went pro 2013. What is there to like about Mr. Park? What does he do well? Well, he's a good wrestler. Good volume. Has more strikes landed, more output than his opponent. Has displayed one-punch power. The finish rate is remarkable. 10 of his 16 wins are by finish. He won his last two fights into the distance. Equal parts KO and submission in terms of his finishing ability. Now, what are the concerns here for the South Korean fighter? Well, durability. He's been finished in his last two defeats, so he's, again, kill or be killed type of guy. My man gets reckless. Like, real reckless. He's the guy you take out with your friends. You're like, listen, don't let him drink too much. If he has a few drinks, he might mess around and, you know, knock somebody out. Don't don't push that guy's buttons. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So he can get reckless. He did it with Rodriguez. Um, and he got knocked out in round two. Because, you know, you, you play reckless games and you suffer reckless consequences. All that said, though, I do enjoy watching him fight. My man is box office. He going he gonna, to you know, get the people popping up in there in the apex. And for the South Korean people out there, they're like, you know, man, we got maybe one or two of these fighters in UFC. This guy's one of the best out of South Korea. Okay, we move on to the main event. The main event of the evening. Oh, careful there. It's a Bantamweight bout. Ooh. Maybe some music to, to, to land us into the 11 people that are still here with me right now. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. It's always going to talk fights. Four of you, five of you, six of you, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirty, a hundred, whoever it is. I put you on top. 
that's it. I put you on top. You hear that? I put you on top. What? And if you've fallen asleep while listening to this and you in cloud nine, you're chilling, that's okay too. Or maybe you're at work, you just got this in the background, you're like, listen, I like hearing this guy just talk bullshit. I still put you on top. Mm. Mm. What a great mix. BC Dave says Doria for plus money junkie. <laughs> I like it. I like it. BC Dave says <laughs> Doria by murder submission round two. I did my homework. I've heard a few people on Doriev, so I'm not gonna. I ain't gonna sit here and say I haven't heard it. I've been hearing it. I've been hearing Doriev is is a killer. But I'm on park for now. <laughs> okay, last fight on the card: bantamweight fight, not a title fight, but last fight in the card, main event. It's an apex event, right? Uh, so no titles in the line. Holly Holm. The infamous one, Holly Holm, the head kick heard around the world when she knocked out Ronda Rousey as a plus 850 underdog, Holly Holm, up against Bueno Silva. I'll tell you what, a fight that I'll make it as, as short as I can because I could talk about this for a long time. But, you know, Holly Holm is a legend, right? Deserves a ton of praise. She'll walk into the UFC Hall of Fame whenever she wants to. She's already like in a bunch of, I think, kickboxing. We're not a bunch of the ones that matter. The kickboxing hall of fame, whatever that is. And and fought like hundreds of fights. Amazing. Decorated career. She's 41. Been around for a minute. When you see she's 15 and 6 for mixed martial arts, that's like just one little fraction of what you know her career has been. So Holly Holm is the favorite here at minus 170. You got Silva at plus 145. That's Mario Myra Bueno Silva, excuse me. Silva's 10-2-1 overall. Home is 15-6. and 3-2 the last five for home. 3-1-1 one one for Silva. A 10-year age difference. Silva is 31. Home is 41. Home has been a pro for 22 years, but probably even longer when you, again, count the stuff. And, and for Silva, been a pro for about eight years. Experience, combat, sport experience, the whole nine. Definitely the side of home, right? Fighter IQ, I give an edge to home for... I mean, the knockout over Ronda Rousey, the longevity, and, you know, you know, you don't get to this point in your career unless you're pretty sharp. And with Silva, she's not bad, but makes some mistakes and still makes rookie mistakes and can be a one-trick pony. For cardio, I mean, Silva's not, like, totally fatigued in round number three, but Holly Holm is, like, an energizer bunny. So, again, I'm going to give Holm the edge in cardio. For finishing ability, though, I've got to be honest with myself. Silva has the edge there. Late in Holly Holmes' career, she ain't finishing nobody. Um, her knockout power just seems to have diminished. She's not catching people with those head kicks anymore. And quite frankly, her submission ability is like not even you know, a factor, right? She's not that kind of fighter. For Silva, though, she's like half of her wins are by submission. So yeah, watch her out. On the, watch her on the ground. The fight's the ground. Home needs to be very careful. Striking. I give an advantage to home, and then grappling an advantage to Silva. Okay, let me get into the write-up here real quickly here, our our notes. 
So Holly Holm minus 170, Meyer Bueno Silva plus 145, Bantamweight bout. That's 135 pounders. We like Holly Holmes with a fight by decision. It's a five-round fight. Holly Holmes an MMA legend. At 41 years old, she's sighing. She's, I'm sorry, she's shying. She's showing, showing little signs of slowing down. This bout will mark the first of her new fight deal in the UFC. She just signed like a new three-fight deal. So again, no signs of stopping anytime soon. Holm has a striking and experience advantage over Silva. So long as she keeps the fight at range, she should, quote-unquote, should be able to win on points. But then again, we thought that she should win the fight against Caitlin Vieira on points, and we thought she did, but when she watched the fight, right? When we watched the fight, we thought she won, but she lost by split. So the only thing working against home in this fight is going to be poor judging, right? Just inaccurate judging, and maybe father time. Now, many people felt that she won the fight against Vieira, but two judges didn't feel that way. And it's just, it sucks because I thought she won the fight too, but like, whatever happens. And the lack of finishing ability for home, that's a problem, right? If she can't finish her opponent, she depends on the judges, right? The key to victory for home is to keep the fight standing and to avoid any and all submission attempts from Silva. Silva's an absolute menace in the map. Half of her wins are by submission. She'll jump at the chance to grab a leg, an arm, an ankle, a toe, anything, a finger, whatever she could submit. Silva will have her work cut out trying to submit home, though. Home has only been submitted once in her luscious career. Silva's negative striking ratio and poor striking defense make her a liability on the feet. Home is a former world boxing, I mean, world class kickboxing champion that, at, at the very least, on the feet still has the advantage here over an average striker uh, like Silva. Silva has to drag the fight to the ground, has to take home down to have a chance to win. Even if Silva can't submit her, she could benefit on the scorecards from control time and submission attempts. The betting spots we like the most of this fight are going to be the fight starts round number three, goes over two and a half rounds. Now, fight starts round number three. That price tag is not listed yet here for me, but I'll put it here later on. Over two and a half rounds, minus 400. Home by decision at plus 100. Silva by submission at plus 350, home by split at plus 600, and Silva by split at plus 1200. Again, we like home by decision at plus 100. That is our prediction for the main event. Um, for fighter stats here off our newsletter, give me a second. So home is 41 out of Jackson Wink kickboxer average fight time 17 minutes 29 seconds a southpaw american fighter averaging 3.17 strikes landed per minute absorbing 2.77 0.92 takedowns per 15 minutes it has 78 percent takedown defense went pro in 2021 i'm sorry went pro 2021 that would have been no 2001 <laughs> that's a typo so been a pro for 22 years, has over 100 total combat sports fights, tons of experience, consistency, right? Been around forever. A new three-fight deal with the UFC. She's on a win streak. Um, well, we consider that fight against Vieira a win. I, I don't care. She should be on a four-fight win streak. Uh, great competition. She fought, you know, randomly. Shevchenko, Misha Tate, Cyborg, you know, um, Nunez, obviously Ryder Rousey, all these ladies. Submission defense, she's only been submitted one time. Now, Silva is a submission bit of a guru. And again, so good defense for submissions by Holly Holm. 
our concerns for home will age right i mean she's 41 age is undefeated and her her speed is going to decline slightly her power seems to decline a little bit um it's also about the old guard right like it's now the old guard is sort of passing on the misha tates are sort of struggling now not you know not as effective as they were before you know the, the new the new crew is coming in and uh, and so i see that with her i feel like it's sort of like we're at that point right um that motivation too what's the motivation for someone like like her like what is she trying to accomplish now what, what's there left because she's already been a champion right she already had one of the biggest knockouts in the history you can never re re replace that or do more than that so that concerns me and then volume and ratio like her striking numbers are like not amazing like three point something per minute it's like hmm. you just want to get in your mind would think that if you ask me like without knowing the stats like how many strikes per minute does holly home average i'd be like oh four four point you know maybe almost five three point one seven absorbing two point seven seven sometimes perception has a way of twisting your reality right as for Myra Buena Silva, 31 years old, the Brazilian fighter is an orthodox stance fighter out of Shootbox Lima. Lima, sorry. Average fight time, just about nine minutes. She's a balanced grappler, is a good way of putting her. Her striking is eh, but she does do a little striking. She lands 4.20 strikes per minute. So it's like, that's more than home. Isn't that weird? But she does absorb 4.71, so negative striking ratio. Averaging 0.38 takedowns per fight. You're like, wait a second. Isn't she a grappler? Yeah, she's a sloppy grappler. Like, she'll roll to the ground, fall down, pull you down with her, and, like, you know, try to do work from her back. Averaging 67% takedown defense. Again, Silva's not trying to defend takedowns. She just wants to get to the ground, right? Go for an arm bar, go for something. Only 13 total fights. So the experience advantage for again for home is hugeanic here right you're talking about she's had multiple combat sports careers and for silva at 31 years old it's only fought 13 total fights that we know of she went pro eight years ago what's it like about silva good submission offense right half of her wins are by submission she submitted her last two opponents within two rounds very durable never been finished herself so it'd be hard to think that maybe home would finish her or knock her out uh, grappling, good grappler, doesn't mind taking her time to try to find a submission, a few rounds, take your time, off her back, whatever. A patient grappler. Our concerns for Meyer Bruno Silva, number one, fight experience, right? Only a handful of fights compared to home. Striking, she's a negative striking ratio. Home has a distinctive advantage in terms of technique and power with striking. Competition for Bueno Silva, no offense, doesn't compare to whatever home has faced, right? And then the crowd, it's going to be a small little cozy crowd on the apex. We know that, right? Little apex there in Vegas. But that small little crowd is is probably going to be pro-home, right? She's a veteran. You know, people kind of like her, like her swagger. She's a bit of a conservative. Um, I'm not going to get all into her comments about other stuff, but she's conservative you know and people like her you know, sort of champion her as a patriot and someone who cares about people and cares about kids and blah 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 you know so on and so forth so you know home by decision is 
the prediction. And at this time, I do want to go ahead and do a full summary of our picks here for UFC Vegas uh, 77. Uh, let me go ahead here and put on another song while I go ahead and jump into that. And then what I could do is uh, I need to update this too. I didn't even put this here. Vegas. Vegas 77. Okay. All right. Vegas 77. Put that in white. Okay. Um. So, <clears throat> I will do my best here to give you my full picks, but I want to give you the picks, and I want to give them to you um, based upon exact method of victory. So, uh, let me do that here as part of our Swift Picks segment, right? Because it's the Swift Picks, because I give you the full card, full card summary in under 60 seconds. Let me see if I can do that. It's going to be tough. So I've had a few glasses of wine. Trust me. See if I, see if I can do this. I'm going to do the best I can. What a good song. I don't play this song enough. Justin Bieber and Travis Scott, Maria. This song, if you get like in the in the mood, you know, what? actually, good time to pack the bowl. Travis Scott. Travis Scott. Call your friends, let's get drunk. Call your friends, let's get drunk. Call your friends. I'll also give you guys my like best bets, my best prop bets for each fight before I get out of here. You might find that a little valuable to parlay. Call your friends, let's get drunk. Right back, guys. Come on over here, drunk. Damn girl, I'll be up late if you want. You can meet me at the studio. Let's get drunk. I've been drinking all night, take a shot. All we got is Don Julio. I'm guessing this is new to you. Thinking about all the things that I would do to you. Them lips on fire and them hips don't lie, girl. I just want to see what that booty do. All right, all right. Let's make each other's night. All right, let's get down to this, uh, <clears throat> the Swift picks. Let me see if I can pull it up quickly enough here on my screen. So it's the best I can. All right, boys and girls, these are the Swift picks for UFC Vegas 77 coming up this weekend. That'll be Saturday, July 15th with a 7 p.m. Eastern start time, of course, being held in Las Vegas at the Apex Arena. 13 total fights in the card. Here we go. First fight. We like Ashley Evans Smith by decision. We'll take Alex Munoz by decision. Azat Maxim by decision. Elder by decision. That's Evan Elder by decision. 
Jack Della Maddalena by a knockout within the first two rounds. If I had to sharpen it to one round, I'd say first round. Melquizal Costa finishes Austin Lingo in round three. I'd say by knockout. We'll take Dudakova by decision. That's Victoria Dudakova by decision over Estela Nunes. Tucker Lutz by decision over Melsic Bakhtazarian. On the main card, we'll go with Nazim Sajakov by round two knockout over Terrence McKinney. Francisco Prado, excuse me, to win within the first two rounds. We'll say round number two, knockout over Ottoman Isatar. Norma Dumont by decision over Chelsea Chandler. We'll go with Jung Young Park by a third round knockout over Albert Durev. In the main event, Holly Holm by decision over Mara Bonosova. Those are swift picks for UFC Vegas 77. So yeah, a few fights we're not sure on the round one or round two finish or how it'll happen. Um, I mean, heck, it's UFC, right? It's by it's far from an exact science. Um, but the one correction I wanted to make, I did, I I came across it earlier, and someone gave it to me was the the Carl Deaton the third fight, right? Um, yeah, he he was submitted, and I had I had it wrong on my notes. For some reason, I thought he had tapped out with like seconds to go in that round. And whoever corrected me tonight, huge, huge, uh, huge mistake on my part. Um, and I thank you for the correction because somehow I got my my uh, my why is twisted, right? So I'm fixing that right now. My notes too to go in the second round. He he was asleep. Yeah. He did not tap out. Um, so yeah, I just want to make that correction. In the USC debut of Carl Deaton, he he did not tap out. He was actually put fully to sleep. And in my first, for some reason, my analysis, I don't know how I missed this. I had him tapping out with five seconds to go. <laughs> how dare I? And then I'm questioning like his you know, his his gumption, like, you know, his his one-two. And meanwhile, it was the opposite way. So thank you for the correction tonight, whoever made that correction and helped me with that because I never want to misspeak on a fighter, especially like in that that arena. Like you're questioning their, their heart. And it's by the way, it's opposite. <laughs> right? No. So um, that's UFC Vegas, uh, two, I'm sorry, uh, 77. I'm going to go ahead and review with you guys. If if I don't know if you want to follow this or not with me, I can show you here. Um, oh shit! I pushed the wrong button. So what I'm showing you is the uh, little handy dandy Excel sheet here, a little Excel action. So we can fill some stuff in together. If you guys want to play that game together, can we do that together? Like a little Sesame Street. A little school music, right? So on the right-hand side area where... Oh, you can't... Uh, I guess you guys can't see that little... The mouse. Where I'm where I'm clicking at. Oh, you can see it now. I see it now. Um, these are the prop locks. So for the main event, Holly Holm versus Bueno Silva. Our prop lock is over two and a half rounds at minus four hundo. I'm going to tag these with a little 
little little uh, <clears throat> little barrier, little Rick barrier, and uh, this just means that's the 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 spot I like the most in this fight, and the spot that I'm gonna likely put into like a six seven leg degenerate parlay, right? So minus four hundred over two and a half rounds main event home versus Silva. What do we need to have happen for that to take place? Let me put my feet up and let's talk about it. For the foot fetish people that are going to like this, I may even see some of my toes. I don't know. We'll see. Going full on, like relax mode. Okay. I think I'm okay. You can't even see my feet still. Ugh. Oh, maybe you can see part of my toes. Okay. It's not a Try to keep it professional here. So, um, all right. So yeah, main event over two and a half rounds at minus four hundred is a spot we like a lot for a parlay piece. Now you could say, okay, oh well, you know, I'd rather go with, with like Holly Holm to win outright at minus one seventy and get a better return. Yes, that's absolutely correct. And there's nothing wrong with that philosophy. And I do think she should win the fight. I think I think that's a good, pretty good bet. And I'll have Holly Holm on the money line as either a say as either a same fight parlay. Or I might even have it on there as a just a parlay piece. Because I have a lot of confidence that Holly Holm wins this fight. I do not believe that Silva catches her in a submission. It just seems a little bit, little bit tough, a little bit of a stretch. Put it that way. So, yeah. So main event, give me over two and a half rounds minus four hundo. Co-main event, Jung Young Park. Um, this fight here against Durev. Our prop lock is the fight starting round number two at minus four fifty. So minus 450 fight begins round number two. And let me let me go back. So silver versus home. How does that fight get to over two and a half? I mean, look at the last few fights for for you know for home. They're they're going, they're the time's ticking. You know, sometimes you want more volume from her. Sometimes you know her rounds are too crook too close. It's up against the fence, you know what I mean? But ultimately, the, the clock is just eat, being eaten up. Silva's another one. Silva, like, you know, she, she could submit you, yeah, anytime, but she's also a clock eater. So I like the fight getting to two and a half rounds. That's not even the full distance. Remember, main event's five five rounds. I'm talking halfway through the main event, over over two and a half, minus 400. That's the spot I like for the main event. Now, Coban event, fight goes to round number two. Just starts round number two, minus 450, Park versus Durayev. I mean... 
I like Park's finishing ability. He has KO power. And Dorev has finishing ability, but these guys are evenly matched enough. The line tells us that minus 155 plus 135, right? I think at least we see round number two. At minus 450, I'm going to give that a shot. And I'll explain to you at the end of the night how you can hedge these spots out for huge plus money, right? You can imagine, right? If it's minus 450 for the fight starting round number two, you can then hedge this later on for the fight just ending in round number one, right? All right, we'll talk about it at the end. At the end. So, moving down, Norma Dumont versus Chelsea Chandler. The prop lock is the fight going over 1.5 rounds at minus 450. All right, so the fight goes over 1.5 rounds at minus 450. That's Norma Dumont versus Chelsea Chandler. Excuse me. So. I mean, Norma Dumont, as much as I like her, her finishing ability is, you know, she's she's got punching power and technique, but, you know, you don't imagine. I mean, she could she finish some people? Yeah. Chelsea seems, like, pretty tough, like, tough enough that she makes this, like, a scrap, if anything, right? Um, and she got a finish in her debut. So it's like, um, but I think we get to, we get to round two. Like we, we get some clock here, right? I mean. We've seen also Norma Dumont get cold clock, right? Round number one against Mia Anderson. But no, it's a female fight. The numbers suggest we get some time in here. Um, the safer or the more more profitable, I'm sorry, return would be like over two and a half, right? Or, or fight goes to round number three at minus 300. Um, but over 1.5, I feel safe there. Minus 450, that's our prop lock. Moving down to Francisco Prado versus Otman Isatar. We'll go with the fight. Oh, geez. What is it? The fight not going to decision is the prop lock. So that's minus 450. Yeah, a little bit chalky, but again, under minus 500 or better. Um, and what, what safe spots? Spots where we're like, listen, it's almost bulletproof, but it's not minus 600 or minus 700 or whatever. It could still be a parlay piece. This fight not going to decision that's Prado versus Isatar minus 450. We talked earlier, like violence seems to be in the air. Like both guys, tons of finishes on both sides. And if they're not getting if they're not getting a finish themselves, they're getting finished themselves. <laughs> right. Um, Nazim Sajikov versus Terrence McKinney. Uh prop lock here is going to be the fight going under two and a half rounds at minus four fifty. You know, same mentality again. A little chalky, but I mean, can you see McKinney in round three? I mean, it's under two and a half. That would suggest the fight gets all the way to two and a half minutes until the the bell gets rung. I believe Terrence does have one decision on his resume, and he's young enough where he could, let's say, make some improvements to come out here and you know, obviously look you know look look better, right? Put it that way. It's it's safe to say that. But until then, man, I just. I think either Terrence McKinney finishes Sajikov in Terrence McKinney fashion, right? Or Sajikov outlasts him, and that would happen like in the in the round two areas. So um again, the fight going under two and a half rounds, minus 450. That would be our prop lock for that fight. Okay, moving down to the prelim card. We'll give you our prop locks, but these are without price tags, right? Which is oh, it's a little bit scary to do that. Um, because again, we don't play prop locks. Or we don't even play any kind of prop that's 
exceeding minus 500 odds. So let me just double check to see if, if like some of these fights, if the tags are still available or not. I mean, we're way into now what's almost 2.50, almost 3 o'clock a.m. on Thursday morning. And um, yeah, they probably won't be available until, I don't know, later today. So for UFC, let me see here. UFC, what do you got here, UFC? Um, no. So you so for DraftKings, for example, if I go on um if I go on my DraftKings profile here or just any DraftKings account, you log in, you see your the odds for UFC. They have um they have all the odds and all the parlay, I mean all the props and everything, all the price tags for all the main card uh fights, but nothing for the prelim card in terms of you know, like round props or things like that. They just have like the over under for two and a half, one and a half. And the money line. So I imagine today is Thursday, very, very early. Uh, we should see those come out at some point later today. Later today, meaning like another 10, 12 hours from now, right? It's about to be 3 o'clock in the morning here, a.m. Eastern time. We're live, MA Fight Club. Thanks for joining us. We're doing a <clears throat> live detailed breakdown of UFC Vegas 77. Um, if you want to see our picks, who we have, uh, Go back a little bit further in the video. Um, when the video is done, we will promise to do some time stamping for you guys to save you some time, especially those that are not here live and don't want to hear all the in-between. They just want to hear our picks and what we're doing and who we like, right? Um, okay, so for Melsic Badazarian versus Tucker Lutz, I can do something. I can pull up what the market has here on Best Fight Odds. Aha. Just give me a second, boys and guys. I am not completely without resource. Um, okay, let me jump in here. Today was a good day. Yeah. Okay, so Melsic Bogdazarian, right? In the morning, gotta get. So Melsic Badazarian versus Lutz. The fight goes to decision. Is lined at minus one twenty, and that's a spot we um. We like a little bit. Um, fight going over two and a half rounds is minus 138. We like the over 1.5, which will be available as an alternate over under round prop on DraftKings when it drops, but it's not available yet. Um, The fight being won by Lutz by decision. I guess I can show you guys what I'm looking at, right? So you're not like in the dark here. So Lutz to win by decision is plus 300, plus 350 range. So um, that's a 
It's a nice little return there. We we do like Lutz by decision if he were to win. Um, the fight starting round number three, that prop is not available yet. So again, we got we got some act, some idea of the action, right? So again, you know, you have the fight going to decision around even money and over one and a half not available. Let's by decision plus three hundred. I would say again, the prop lock will end up being the over one point five rounds, or even if like the fight by starting round number two is under minus one hundred, we'll probably take a stab there, right? That'll be our play. But we think this fight goes longer. We're not. <clears throat> You know, we're not uh, moving around a lot. I'm getting antsy. Been on the been, the, been on the horn with you guys for a long time. I ain't complaining, though. It's all good. I like it. Um, I did adjust my seat now. I'm probably looking small now because I came, came down in size. Anyway, so for that fight again, Tucker Lutz versus Bogdazarian. Give me over 1.5 rounds as our prop lock. Victoria Dudakova versus Estela Nunez. Ooh, tough one because here we don't know if it goes full decision. We've been like very up in there. I would say like the fight starts round number two. Like would be like a, a prop I would look at. Like I'm looking to get out of here as fast as possible. Like I want at least amount of time exposure. And you definitely don't know for sure if Dudakova will come to the UFC and like keep getting finishes. Uh, Nunez yeah she's on the slide and, and yeah maybe she gets cut after this and, and yeah a lot of things about her but we've all made this mistake <laughs> these undefeated people come into the ufc i mean tutakova could be she's six and oh right she could be whatever 16 and oh like the other guy you don't even know what that means who are these people <sighs> she could be six and oh against her friends in the neighborhood like legit so I'm just saying, like, you know, it's tough out here, man. It's tough to it's tough to like know for sure like what we're dealing with. It's not like a it's not a one for one trade, right? You know what I mean it's not one for one, meaning like every loss that Nunez had who was in the UFC is the same caliber of Dudakova's losses, right? That she or one I mean wins. Ugh. You know what I you know what I mean. <laughs> Strength of schedule ain't equal. Right? And so when you have that disparity, we have to then acknowledge that the six and O very well is like like look at it like put your hands up. Like try to let me put a bigger screen. Like maybe that you can't see shit there. Is that better? It's, well, you can't even see what you see that over there insane in the membrane insane in the brain um anyway long story short with um dudakova in the tra the trap is there i want is as least amount of time exposure in the fight so if i can get the fight starting around number two for something that's not too crazy that's probably where i want to have my money the second spot with my money is is just um, due to Kova to win at minus 205 because there is the potential for like I mean she she barely wins but the judges give it to her because she's undefeated and, uh, you know like 
you know not the fix but like the like the subtle like rub because she's undefeated and she's russian she's marketable and nunez is like you know what hasn't fought in a minute and whatever i mean is that true i don't want to make shit up but nunez is on a slide put it that way so give me the fight starting around number two that's the prop lock there price tag not out but in that fight let's look at the props we do have here so let me hold on Let me let me zoom out here. So the price tags of what we do have. So if we have fight does not go to decision, right? So fight doesn't go to decision is minus one thirty five, minus one hundred five. Interesting. So for female fights, typically you'll see the fight going to decision at like minus one seventy, minus two hundred. Because so often they do go to decision, right? And if you're betting that fight, it's like, oh, save yourself the whole sweat of the decision, right? Um, and judges. So that price tag here of minus, again, minus 140, 135, right? For the fight not going to decision suggests like, hey, this is not your average female fight. We have a chance. They're saying we have a chance. Um, due to Kova to win in, so the distance is plus 140, plus 160 range. Interesting. I think I'm going crazy. I mean, that would mean that, like, due to Kova, like, is fairly likely to finish the fight inside the distance, at least according to... The numbers, the people who run the numbers, them folks are saying, listen, there's a chance that she finishes this girl. So that's interesting. Um, how about the, let's look at, let's look at this. Uh, the under two and a half, is it right? Under two and a half here. Under two and a half is plus 104. So it's plus basically 100, which is basically even money for the fight going under two and a half rounds. Interesting. Um, Nunez by decision, because again, she's not much of a finisher herself, but if she were to win, it would be Nunez by decision. That's plus 400 to plus 350. Wow. And you know this these these things happen. Uh fight starting round number two is likely to be, like I said, our prop lock. That is uh there's no offerings yet on that. That'll probably come out again later on today. Um okay, let's move down. So our prop lock there is the fight starts round number two for uh Dakota versus Nunez. All right, Melquizal Costa versus Austin Lingo. And we have the fight going over a half round, uh, no decision, start round two, uh, Costa winning in rounds two and three, a bit all over the place. Let me look at some of these price tags. So first of all, fight not going to decision for the Costa fight, Costa, Costa. So there it is, Costa Lingo, the fight doesn't go to decision, it's minus 120, so that's a pick em. There's a good return there. Um, the fight um, 
The finish in rounds two and three by Costa, that's not available yet because that would be available on DraftKings. Uh, fight starting round number two, that tag's not available yet. Uh, and the over half round, not available yet. So, yeah, not much to tell you here other than the fact that I probably would lean towards, again, I want limited exposure here, right? If I can get over a half round at minus 500, I'm taking it because I just want out of here as fast as possible. I fear all kind of things. Uh, the second fastest way is the fight starting round number two. Give me that for like minus 400. I'm, I'm okay. Um, you know, just get me out of here because Costa versus Lingo after that first five minutes, I don't know what's going to happen. Could Lingo have a gas tank issue? Could Costa have an everything issue? I don't know. Not much confidence, but fight starting round number two is my preliminary pick as the prop lock for this. Um, yeah. There for, for that fight, Costa versus Lingo. Moving down to Jack Dela Madalena versus Basil Hafez. The prop lock for me here. Let me see what they have available on Jack Della. Do they have do they have Madalena even listed here? He's like such a big favorite. It's like Yeah, not even listed there on that one website. Um oh there it is. I'm sorry. So under one and a half is minus 210. Like, <laughs> um, oh, we're going to go with no no round three. It'll be chalky, but it'll be under minus 500 odds. So no round three will be the prop lock for Madalena versus Hafez. Yeah, that, that fight's not going to go very long. Um, Elder versus Valdez. So Evan Elder versus Janeiro Valdez, uh, the fight. Yeah, not going to decision. Um, let me look at this because Elder, 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 and Valdez. So fight doesn't go to decision is minus 330. That's a prediction we kind of expect, right? So that's um, priced accordingly. Um, then we have... Um, under one and a half. That might not be available yet. Yeah, it is. Under one and a half is plus 116. Interesting. The fight starts round number two is unavailable. And then Valdez by KO because that's how he would win, right? So Valdez by KO. I don't see it available. No, not yet available. So I, for this fight, I would say... Fight starts round number two. That'd be the prop lock. Azat Maxim versus Tyson Nam. I'm gonna say the same thing. Fight starts round number two. It's really hard to predict what else could happen here. Is nominee at Chinny? Um, I mean, fight doesn't go to decision. Maybe that might be the better prop. I mean, I don't know. It's tough. Again, you want limited time exposure with these fights, so. It's going to probably come down to fight not going to decision or the fight starting round number two. It's going to be one of those two. I'm probably going to go with the fight. I don't know. So tough there for the prop lock. And look, I don't play. I don't play every single prop lock. I put them there as like that's my best prop for each fight as my own way. A little adding little tokens to a few, you know, parlays that I might want to beef up. Um, but some prop locks. I just they're not even locks. They're just like listen. That's still a big of a gamble. And this fight's like that. Sixteen to zero. Azat Maxim. Whatever. You know what can you expect? But we'll go with the fight not going to decision as our 
No. Fight goes to round two. That's the prop block. Jeez. I'm so torn there. Uh, Alex Munoz versus Carl Deaton third. Uh, give me the fight. Uh, it, it goes like uh, over 1.5, right? So I believe Deaton survives that long. Munoz is a very boring holding wrestler type. We go over 1.5 rounds. I don't know what that price tag's like. I can give you a little uh, over two and a half is minus 230. So it'll be a little chalky, but still should be under minus 500. The fight goes to decisions currently at, oh, not listed. So yeah, just still nothing there for this fight. But um, the prop lock would be over 1.5 for Deaton versus Munoz. Um, now for the first fight, Perez versus Smith, Evan Smith. Um, I'm going to go with the fight starting round number two or over 1.5. It depends on which one is under minus 500 odds. Again, I want very limited exposure to what happens here. Like the longer the fight goes, the more variance we're going to see. Perez could be like, okay, I got the cardio down. The wrestling's great. I could go for long. I'm 28 years old. I learned my lesson. I'm good. Then she could come out here and melt again and be like, making mistakes and evan smith starts you know chipping away and round two is super close and then round three evan smith's much fresher landing way more and she does land more and the striking stats are on her side and it's like oh lord have mercy i mean do you want a chunk of the side who wins there i don't think so so like over 1.5 fight start fight starts round number two probably super chalky but that's where i want to be at um the fight goes to decision is is probably going to be what is going to sit at because my my fear there is like you know like we we, we already saw perez kind of tap out um and get finished fight goes to decision is minus 160 right which is a fair market price for female fights usually but man i'm not comfortable there because you're like you're listen you could see something happening here where someone gets finished you saw perez tap out and she tapped out kind of fast with a few seconds to go in that round. Um, so, you know, it's one of those, and she was okay. She, she popped right up after the, she tapped out. So it's just, um, yeah, I would say that you're, you're better off. Maybe the fight just getting to round number two. And then from there, you, again, you're not as, not as exposed. Um, but uh, so the prop lock there for that, that first fight would be the fight starting round number two. Those are some prop locks for you guys. Um, again, for the full like analysis, our written stuff, and what we're doing for UFC um, Vegas 77, please subscribe to our newsletter. I'll put that link right here down below. Um, it's run through Substack. Substack is a free app you can download to your phone. And I look so short here because I have like my seat low now, and I'm like, camera's lower. It's run through Substack, super cool tool. You can put it on your phone. Um, our, our newsletters go out to you via email. We don't spam you. You get like one or two emails from us per week. And uh, it comes with a full breakdown, written breakdown, some analysis, some stats and information. Um, but subscribe to our, our newsletter. The link is right there down below. It's run, again, through Substack. You can get us at MMA Fight Club dot substack.com that's mma fight club dot s u b s t a c k dot com 
download the app on your phone, subscribe to our newsletter. There's a free version and a paid version. The paid version is $5 a month. That's for those of you who want to be like, you know, extra supporters, you get a little more content, and uh, you're basically helping us keep the lights on. That That's the whole idea there. So five bucks a month, or I think it's like 40 bucks a year. You could save a few extra bucks if you subscribe per year. And uh, again, we appreciate your support. The newsletter includes written breakdowns for almost every UFC event. I mean, we don't miss any of them. Um, and then you get some Bellator stuff, PFL stuff when those events come up. And then we also include a tip sheet for each event we break down. So like this week, the newsletter for UFC will come out Thursday morning for the full breakdown, write-up and everything. And then Friday morning, the tip sheet for UFC Vegas 77 will come out with all of our prop bets, our parlays, um, our individual bets. Ain't gonna lie. It's been rough recently. Uh, individual bets have been good, but like, oh man, parlays got, we got killed last week in parlays. Prop bets we did okay, individual was okay, but yeah, the parlays and the specials absolutely raked us down uh, back to reality, so it happens. Um, but yeah, subscribe to our newsletter. Please check it out. It's pretty cool, very comprehensive, full written breakdowns. Even if you're not like a newsletter person, it just do it to support our channel, please. We would appreciate it. And again, it's free. It just takes you a second, put your email in blase blase and again if you want to be really generous you love our content you want to see more from our newsletter you like the extra stuff the newsletter the full card breakdowns and five bucks a month you're the best we appreciate it all right on that note i think we've gone through it guys i think we've gone through the full uh ufc thank you anthony you're the best you're the best man i appreciate you being here so uh you guys who've joined us tonight thank you so much every single one of you the bc daves the anthony w's the Thomas Montanaros, the, the Marcus Marcus Musters, and the Terry Mizos. Uh, we've had uh, so many awesome people come through. Uh, Francis came through. SSB Diving was in the house at some point. Uh, Simple Man. Uh, the, the crew that came through tonight was great, man. Marcus Mustard had so much to say. Thank you for all the comments. Um, thank you, uh, Neo W, Neo T, TV, whatever you are. Uh, you came through and and cracked a joke, and and you came through too. We appreciate you, uh, Antoine Willis. Um, I'm I know I might forget somebody, and I I feel terrible. Thomas Montanaro, of course, came in here early on with the ELE. All about ELE up in here. So, thank you guys so much, everyone here. Have a wonderful, wonderful night slash morning. It's three thirteen a.m. Eastern time. Um, thank you guys for joining us tonight. Hopefully this breakdown was helpful for you guys for USC Vegas 77 and we'll see you guys soon. Deuces. Every night she says she just want to climb on it. See that skin spoon with they put design on it. Wow, wine. Baby girl, I know you want a deep ride on it. Every night she says she just want to climb on it. See that skin spoon with they put design on it. Wow,